It's like the Stanley and, Cup of pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hey, hi. Mm-hmm. Ooh, no, those were both me. Got, hey, hi. We got, a, we got a couple of little haze and highs well, hi. in there, like some partial hellos. And for music video since Barrett Share. Welcome. Yeah. Barrett has never seen The Wire. I know. Oh, my God. I just wanted to shame you, first and foremost. Oh, my God. I think God. I watched the first episode. That's actually worse. It, it is actually worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that same thing with The Sopranos. I watched the first episode, and then like 10 years later, I watched the entire series. And you liked it. And I loved it. Well, you then want, eventually you'll get to it. I'm not going to shame see, you too much. You want to see a show that actually like gives you actual police work? Rather than I called some guy, some bartender, and like the bartender remembers out of 500 people who was at the bar that <laughs> night and all that, like yeah. Law and Order does and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, Batman movies could learn a lot from The Wire. Oh, yeah? In terms of showing us detective work. The Dark Knight does some of that, I think, pretty well. Uh, but most Batman movies yeah. they forget the, that he's supposed to be like a master detective. Yeah. And it's, it's just, just all, all punching. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just him looking at. A billion screens. <laughs> An absurd amount and, of like, screens. And like rewinding and forwarding. <laughs> and then stopping. Yeah, when he, when yeah. Like pausing that's right on pretty much, face. That's pretty much his detective work. But uh, today we're going to go back on our road trip. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. And this time, it is Maryland. Maryland. Yes. (laughs) Uh, One of us has lived in Maryland. I have. And a couple of us have driven through there on other ways to better states. No, just kidding. (laughs) It is a beautiful country. One of us has a cousin who lives there. Uh, He lives in Salisbury. This is crazy because I just saw an article the other day. It was like the 10 cities most likely to be the next Nashville in terms of like rapid boom in culture and citizens and i saw salisbury maryland on the list i've been here because hmm. i've visited my cousin and my uncle who live there and it's like in my head it's like a town of like eighty thousand. Oh yeah and I, I clicked the article and i'm reading and they have like six hundred thousand citizens but like half of them have shown up in the last 10 years oh like the city has doubled in like five or t- some astronomical rate is there and a, now it's this bustling metropolis is there a reason i don't know why it's booming so fast mm-hmm. i'll ask i'll ask my cousin randy it's on the wacomico river there you go mm-hmm. it's not on the atlantic or the chesapeake like some idiots think mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's actually in the center of it's a very it's a very it's a nice quaint little city i actually was surprised to learn it had grown so much because it's a Rinky dink when I was there. Yeah. Anyway, um, Maryland, Baltimore. Yeah, Maryland. I spent the first five and a half years of my life in Baltimore. Yeah. And I have flashes of memories. I know I know that's why I like the Orioles. And mm-hmm. we went to a lot of Orioles games at Memorial Park, not Camden Yards. I still have never actually been to Camden Yards. Oh. Much to my shame. Mm. Uh, there's a great fort there, Fort McHenry, that was involved in one of the wars. Uh, went there a bunch as a kid. Harbor, but, but very Boston-like. I remember seeing some kind of fancy boats when I was little. Ah. Again, I'm, I'm four years old. Well, there's so. like an inner harbor. That's like the hip part of town, right? I think it is now. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, obviously, it's changed a lot since I was there. Um, it used to be where you dump bodies. 
<laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. Or where you release fish I lived men. there before Avon Barksdale and this crew came to town. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, it doesn't pertain at all to the movies that are set there. or because I, no, I Fond like, memories of Baltimore? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as fond as memories of being a five-year-old can be. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I don't really... Mm-hmm. I don't have those memories aren't really good or bad. They just well, kind this of is are. why you're also a Colts fan too, because Baltimore yes was Baltimore Colts yes, and they actually the Colts famously ditched Baltimore in the middle of the night, uh, loaded up mm. everything and moved to Indiana, uh, and that was the same year we moved to Indiana from Baltimore. Nice. So we always joked that the Colts followed us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm a Colts fan. I'm an Orioles fan. I'm a Predators fan, and I guess if I'm forced to choose watching basketball, I'll, I'll choose Pacers. Maybe. Yeah. I've been to a Pacers game. Yeah. That hey checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's they they were almost good one time. Yeah, that, but when Reggie Miller was there, they were mm-hmm. at least uh, threatening a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fun. Anyway, let's talk about Maryland. Okay, yeah. so the first one right off the bat is a good one, 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Well, it doesn't strike me as a Baltimore. That's right. Movie. I think of Philadelphia more when I think of 12 Monkeys because that's where most of the city stuff seems to be set unless it's the, Baltimore the, for Philadelphia. No, it's Baltimore that they that they do all the action in. The the detention facility is in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they go back and forth, but the bulk of the, the action happens in, in Maryland. Okay. Like I did the psychiatric facility, uh, Madeline Stowe's office, and all that stuff all happens. This is Maryland. the last movie that Terry Gilliam made that was both his kind of style, but just mainstream enough to get uh, an audience yeah. out of it. After this, all he ever made was stuff like he'd always been making that was just not accessible. I mean, I love I love a guy who can just go in and say, I'm going to make some weird shit. <laughs> and, and, Fear but, and loathing in Las Vegas is not accessible no, to a lot of people. Not yeah, at I all. love it, but it's well, not accessible. Well, again, everybody you know that loves that movie, and I'm not talking about you, but prior to you just saying that, everybody I've ever met that loves that movie loves drugs. Yeah, yeah. And almost certainly watch that movie on some measure of drugs. <laughs> and I bet you it's badass ass when you do that i guess so i would be almost horrified to watch that movie I mean, it depends, on, depend on the drug i would imagine <laughs> yeah. but i think you get yourself a nice little buzz from some weed or something that movie's probably pretty enjoyable yeah yeah, yeah. but I, 12 monkeys is definitely te- 12 monkeys is like uh it, it it makes you think even beyond like normal time travel movies like that that always kind of provides a wrinkle but this has got great performances and a, and a really cool mystery to it mm-hmm. and all that stuff compounded with these visuals that terry gilliam does. yeah there's a it's loosely based on a french movie called la jete mm-hmm. that uh if if you ever watch that it's basically just it's a short film of still images and everything but it's the same kind of deal like you know somebody's going back in time and all that but um uh but this movie it didn't do crazy great at the box office but i think it's got a sort of it's got uh it's built an audience over the years where it's now i think considered a classic Mm -hmm. um and uh but this was uh this is bruce willis at at his best this is brad pitt at his best brad pitt apparently doesn't like his performance in this but i i do i just remember this movie being part of two or three movies i think seven was one of them where where brad pitt got the transition from hunk to actor mm-hmm. um and, and this was one of the ones where i remember being surprised 
that he had as much acting talent as he did because oh, yeah. prior to this he's more of a pretty boy river runs through it mm-hmm. and, you know he's a hunk mm-hmm. uh he wasn't known for his acting i don't think until he started doing this and seven and there's one more i'm forgetting that's right in the same line and it's not meet joe black seven years of fall, maybe maybe i mean i don't know and then you know and from then on he's been kind of like a well-respected actor mm-hmm yeah um but yeah he got nominated for this too did he really yeah oh yeah it's a great performance Mm -hmm. he's so fucking unhinged yeah it's like i mean it 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 kind of uh foreshadows like his performance in fight club where he can be like manic and and unhinged Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but here he's full fight club yeah here he's just full out like stretching his legs doing whatever he wants to do hyper manic and like you know all these little ticks ticks things like that uh that uh, that make him look even crazier than he is, and then of course he he mellows out later on. Well, and Christopher Plummer's great in the uh, Kevin Spacey role. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's his, he's Brad Pitt's dad in this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, one of the things I like about this movie uh, that most time travel movies don't do is that it muddies up the protagonist's own viewpoint mm-hmm. he becomes unsure of what's real and what's what time and he, it, it, the process of traveling through time does kind of like on quantum leap it swiss cheeses his brain to the mm-hmm. point where he has to acclimate every time and it, details get lost and so it keeps you unsettled as a viewer uh unlike something like back to the future where marty knows yeah, exactly what's going clean, on yeah, yeah. yeah it's also a, it's also another one of those uh where the where the time travel it is not set to change anything it, the the time travel is set to uh help the people in the future figure out what they need to do and so like a lot of his memories as a child of the of this incident and everything that happens to you know is actually the what happens yeah. and everything yeah. even though his memory keeps changing who it is it sort of closes the loop in a way that a lot of time travel movies don't even mm-hmm. attempt to yeah. do yeah so, Twelve Monkeys is fantastic. I don't know how many. And we haven't talked about that movie very much. On Not this a podcast, whole lot. Yeah, but I really, really, really like it, and yeah. I and I wholly recommend it. Absolutely. If you can, if you haven't seen it, even better than that is the underseen sequel, Thirteen Monkeys. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Where and, Julia Roberts plays herself. Well, and and you know Bruce Willis was in that because he loves those number movies. We need man. more monkeys. That's right um then uh a movie i have seen but i do not remember anything about the accidental tourist oh yeah me too uh it's it's william hurt and gina davis Mm -hmm. and uh is it kathleen turner i think is the the other one i think that's right uh but yeah he's in this like love triangle with two gorgeous women and i think he keeps going back to one and back to the other one and that kind of thing uh i remember really enjoying it but i mean this is 1988 i think or something like that so i don't i don't remember a whole lot of it i just remember it's it's good hmm. it was up for academy awards yeah well and and this was in my early years of watching the oscars and i remember kept hearing this name over and over again it gets to a point when you're a kid and i'm i'm sure that i was one of the rare 11 year olds watching the oscars <laughs> but uh but like you hear a name enough you start getting annoyed with it you're just like the accidental tourist what does that mean that's stupid 
and I've never seen the movie, so it can't be good. Um, but uh, it was scored by John Williams too. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. That's a Lawrence Kasdan movie too, because Lawrence Kasdan and William Hurt like to work together a bunch. Yeah, it is. It is good. I'd like to watch it again. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know if it won, uh, but it uh, it was definitely up there with uh, with all the nominees. Let's see what it did. Actually, it won. Oh, it did win for Gina Davis, uh, and it was nominated for Best Picture and Screenplay and original score of course John, yeah. john williams <laughs> it's john williams um and then we have and justice for all al pacino at his al pacino East. he it is but this is early al pacino isms mm. right I this mean, is this, where i think people really came to love him shouting yeah more. <laughs> well yeah i guess was this before dog day afternoon dog this day, was after this uh, was yeah, well yeah. after but i mean dog day afternoon does have some shouting but it's really the attica scene right 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 it, it's it's this where you know you're out of order you know and all that that's where people start like this is what informs us of his 90s career later on this whole uh, trial is out of order <laughs> he even almost parodies this in sin of a woman yeah. where where he's doing the a bad man what does that mean what the fuck is that <laughs> i take a fucking train thrower to this place <laughs> uh other than that though i don't remember much about the movie oh it's terrific man yeah. like he's He's this highfalutin attorney that uh, that that is assigned to these innocent cases that he can't get justice for, and then guilty cases that he's got to argue. And that's where he he ends up losing his shit at the end. Mm-hmm. Is that he 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 drops this case? Like mm-hmm. he he says, "That's it. I'm I, I cannot in good conscience defend this. I think he's defending a judge or something like that. I can't do this. This whole system is fucked." And that's mm-hmm. what leads to that outburst and the whole you know yeah. courtroom cheering him and everything. And at the end of it, uh, I think he ends up getting disbarred or about to get disbarred. And it was you know it's was it worth it? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. So is, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, this is Norman Jewison who who has made a lot of great movies, but we don't we don't talk about him very often right. in, in that same group with all the other seventies guys and everything, but he made a lot of great movies. Yeah. Kind of sounds like um Liar Liar. <laughs> like um, <laughs> kind of makes me I've never seen Injustice for All, but it kind of makes me wonder if the guys that wrote Liar Liar didn't go, What if there was a comical version of Injustice for All? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. right, because that's his whole arc is discovering that how corrupt the whole system is and his own kind of existence as a lawyer mm-hmm. anyway over actor yeah <laughs> just a man every time i pour water i'm doing this thing now where i'm buying jug water like spring water instead of uh just bottled water all the time because mm-hmm. i'm trying to re- try and reduce my plastic <laughs> a little bit yeah, yeah. Little, not that it's going to matter there's plastic in our fucking shellfish now um <clears throat> anyway every time i pour from the jug into some kind of container i go for this you will pay a terrible price <laughs> <laughs> uh, that does that lid on the water yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> um then there's annapolis another movie i've seen have since forgotten i know that james franco and tyrese gibson are in this movie um, and it's about the naval academy mm-hmm. and i think they do a little bit of ending racism yes oh they ended racism i'm pretty in the sure city? there's a little bit of that using boxing way yeah, back boxing. in 2006 huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> look how far we've come that's crazy <laughs> you know movies about boxing circuits that aren't the main like actual boxing like prison boxing circuits <laughs> remember that movie yeah Un- yeah undisputed yeah yeah not good <laughs> we should probably not make movies about those boxing circuits I'm yeah. just saying. no this is not a good movie the, the, i think uh justin lynn directed yeah that. justin lynn uh, and it was 
just gauzy and you know a lot of i remember a lot of shots of franco like shirtless and stuff like that and just not good yeah have you guys caught a movie the other day that i think was justin lynn's first movie uh about a bunch of troublemaking affected asian kids in Is the that u.s better luck tomorrow yes better yeah. luck tomorrow yeah, yeah. i had never seen that before and i found it pretty it's enjoyable. a good movie yeah yeah and i was like wow he went from this to the fast and furious somehow <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh well yeah no better luck tomorrow is a really good movie I, I haven't seen it in forever but uh sort of informed us of a, an up-and-coming talent at yeah. the time and and he's still i mean he's it, it it depends on what you think of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yep. I mean, you know, he's he's good at doing that, I guess, because it's so successful. But yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see him do something other than I'd like to see him do more better like tomorrow. Time. Yeah, I would, too. Um, then there's a triumvirate of Blair Witch Project movies. Yeah, oh, Jesus. which is weird because it is more of a New Jersey thing because <laughs> it's the Jersey Devil and everything is what they're is what they're basing on, right, that right, right. on or whatever. But but yeah, it is Maryland. I guess mm-hmm. they're just they went, you know, across across the straight lines to be like it. It's kind of Jersey Devil, but not really. Yeah. OK, so I'm just going to be honest. Never heard of the Jersey Devil until this moment. Really? Hmm. It, I gotta assume that's what the hockey well, team is named after. Now the actual, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, the jer- the now there is a movie called oh God, what is it called? Last broadcast. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice pull. It's yeah. found footage, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. found footage movie that came before the Blair right, Witch right, right. Project. Uh, that focuses on the Jersey Devil, it, it, actual Jersey Devil or whatever. Like that. That's what the people went out to the woods to go see and everything um and it's it's an interesting movie i don't know if i would call it good hmm. but it does have it does have a, a a really good ending to it um i don't know if i would want to say anymore because it's one of those type of movies right like watch it on your own see mm-hmm. what you think uh but it is one of those movies you watch it and it's like eh, i don't know if this is good or not it's really setting up its ending is what yeah. it's really doing kind of like the blair witch yeah blair witch as well um although i i found the blair witch project the the first one to be pretty terrifying and i've watched it about three times or so and i I feel like i'm unsettled if not scared uh through all of them yeah you know the the original blair witch project i i really like it it's but it, it also informs us of a lot of the horror movies that are coming out nowadays that are trying this type of not found footage but this type of uh like sounds and mm-hmm. like and uh, atmosphere and everything well, are like more the important. witch is fairly well informed by this movie I think. yeah the witch and and hereditary which i'll be talking about later on mm-hmm. in this in this episode um uh you know where it's it they they're not looking for that satisfying jump scare type of like you know they're not looking for pop horror or yeah. whatever I don't think they ever made Blair Witch Project to be as big as it was. I mean, the movie would cost like, I don't know, anywhere from $300 to $10,000, yeah. whatever you want to believe or whatever. And then it ends up being a nearly, I, I think it was a $100 million mm. hit. Um, and it's just, it's it. the whole movie is is just about the the dread and mm-hmm. the and the feeling you get during the entire thing like they're walking through these woods they're not making any progress they're turning on each other there there's just the faintest of sounds in the background there's things that you hear that you're sure you didn't yeah. for real because you you just want like you're just like anticipating something yep. um wouldn't you rather because you like horror movies i know mm-hmm. jeremy you don't do you 
crave that that spine tingling chill over your body or do you crave the the jump scare the quick hit thing because the the especially the last scene of Blair Witch Project gave me that like goose flesh I like, like the I, chills. I like the I like having that feeling of I don't know what's going to happen and there are no like you know boo moments uh-huh. there yeah. are there I like the idea of just constantly like looking at the screen and wondering if something's going to pop out mm-hmm. and just just it just it's an it's a feeling that's hard to describe yeah. really um and that's and we'll get into that later but it's just it i like that about blair witch project is just it yeah there you can watch that movie and just say it's boring that's sure. true yeah uh, sure yeah <laughs> you know? that's true uh but for me i imagine myself in this situation how just dreadful that would be yep just to sort of like god i don't think i'm gonna get out of here mm-hmm I have a, I'm in a place where I can't even communicate with anybody to tell them where I'm at. Um, yeah, I think where horror lost me was, was at least eighties and nineties horror was the reliance on the jump scare and the gore. mm -hmm. Um, cause there was a lot of slashing and blood in horror Mm -hmm. when I was a kid that even if my parents had let me watch it, I wouldn't have wanted to watch. And I, I enjoy a thriller. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoy something like alien or, even The Shining mm. or 2001, which I think could arguably be called a horror movie, uh, <clears throat> where there is that kind of slow building dread. And so I think that's why I do like the original Blair Witch. I think everything else that's come since then is terrible. Yeah. Have you uh, watched the remake? The Well, not the remake, but the new one? Not the new one. I didn't even give it a look. Um, I liked the new one more than I probably should have. Interesting. And I, I mentioned this before on the podcast because I randomly watched it one day. And I immediately texted Jacob over at Modern Horrors, and I was like, "What did you guys give uh, the the new Blair Witch?" Because I kind of liked it. <laughs> um, it's not a total success by any means, but at, by the end of it, I was like, I kind of got along with what this movie was was pitching here. Interesting. Um, and it's not just a straight up remake or anything like that. It's got new ideas about where where this Blair Witch Project stuff can go. And of course, unfortunately, it didn't do anything. So we're never going to see a progression of that until somebody else, like, if somebody else remakes Blair Witch or tries to reboot it or whatever, it'll be a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these, though, in here, apparently, you, Barry, you think there's this has got a cult audience, this Book of Shadows, the yes. Blair Witch 2, which was directed by Joe Berlinger, who did the Paradise Lost documentary. Oh, really? West Memphis 3 stuff. Huh. Um, I was so excited for this because of that reason. Mm hmm. And uh, the movie looked well shot, beautiful. And in fact, it is. It's very it's beautiful well shot. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, instead of of uh, going beyond, like, instead of continuing the story, the people in the movie are aware of the Blair Witch Project. Right. And then they go out to the same area, and of course, bad shit happens anyway. Yeah, it's so over the top. I mm-hmm. mean, when I watched this back in, I don't know, 2000, 2001 2000, or something yeah. like that, uh, when it came out, I, I too was excited because I like Blair Witch Project so mm-hmm. much. And it was just, it was almost like, like the craft and the coven. The craft. <laughs> and like, the craft. <laughs> I mean, it was the just, craft. I mean, it was, oh, man, it was just, I have basically it was wiped stupid. that movie from my memory. <laughs> that used to be like, it, like, like women our age love them some the craft, oh, yeah, man. That's how oh, we got yeah. Evanescence, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> I think that's how they were born. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, this was really disappointing. But they, in the Wikipedia entry for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, um, there's there's two sections under response, critical response mm-hmm. of at the time and then uh renewed interest or something mm. like that uh like contemporary and then uh going back to it and apparently people after you know i guess releasing it from the baggage of the original movie they were like oh maybe this is better than you think and it's it wasn't those articles of like why book of shadows is is a secretly a classic it was like a consensus yeah opinion. i was railing against that recently <laughs> and then like two days ago there was an article that was like what why the happening deserves more credit oh, for the, yeah, for the man. balls that it had. Oh my god! And like, I think Simser was the guy who followed that responded and was like, "No, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly." Um, Book of Shadows does have Jeffrey Donovan, who is um, what is what's the show he's on? He was on. Was it? Um, oh, it was Burn Notice? Was oh. Well, oh. I think a lot of people like Jeffrey Donovan these days, too, is another reason why this movie may have gotten some extra, like, kick. It's a 4.0 on the IMDb. Eesh. So it hasn't, like, all these cult fans have yet to push <laughs> this up in any way. Maybe it was in the threes. Who yeah. knows? Um, but, yeah, and I, I, I never really liked it just because um, it was just the reasons for the like the the characters do stuff that they don't remember and i guess that's kind of creepy or whatever mm-hmm. but like I, I you you sit there and follow the the logic of a lot of this stuff they like you know robbed a gas station and right. blew away the the clerk <laughs> yeah. and all that and uh they they have to see videotape of it right. and all that i don't know it, 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 it i guess it does have some sort of appeal but that mm-hmm. always was disappointing to me mm-hmm. um then after all that we've got uh the born legacy yeah uh the that's, only born movie i guess that's got Marilyn ties yeah uh because obviously renner's oh, up in house. alaska her house is in in ball outside of uh like rural Maryland. like the least interesting set piece in the whole movie exactly is Maryland. oh i think that's interesting because uh it's got that one shot of uh renner going up the, the house i'm serious that house Elizabeth should Marvel. be condemned yeah well that house has rot <laughs> wood rot all throughout it like that thing is <laughs> falling well, apart it doesn't last long anyway i like the born legacy more than most and i think that's strangely a popular opinion to have these days uh, yeah because this is one of those movies like you were just saying about book of shadows only i think this is more so here is that it was poorly received when it came out and then as people have gone back for a second viewing they're like hey this is better than i remembered it because we were i think overly harsh on its lack of matt damon its lack right. of born even though the movie tries so hard to put it in that same time period and universe uh, and Jeremy Renner maybe wasn't quite ready to carry a film. I don't know. I thought he was. I thought he time. was great in the role because he had been in he had been in quite a few things just sure. before that. That I mean, there sh- should have been able to inform uh, a, a good leading performance and everything. I think since that movie, though, he's kind of enjoyed taking that character actor role or that that secondary he did like role. two mission impossible movies where he's like playing second fiddle to yeah. everyone and it and it, you could almost read into that and say well if tom cruise ever wanted to leave mission impossible maybe he could take over or whatever because he's basically that same kind of badass yeah, i'll go you one step further i think that's what they were planning mm-hmm. with ghost protocol was mm-hmm. setting up i think so the too. next phase and something happened within tom cruise doing those stunts on that film <laughs> hey i Ageless. i think i think the fact that ghost protocol made way more money yeah. than they thought was a big thing and i think he and his and i don't know if he's still with his producing partner 
I think, think so. I think they own Mission Impossible, essentially. That wouldn't surprise and me. And so, like, uh, so he has all the money. He does. He does. Like, like, so all of it. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of makes sense that he's turned into this thrill seeker, right? Because yeah. he's not. He doesn't need money. No. He want. He if he's going to do a project, there's going to be something in it for him. Yeah. God, I want. I'm so ready for this movie. I am too. <laughs> uh, I am too. I'm ready. I'm so excited. Um. It brings us on to uh, this, now. This could very well be called the John Waters episode because exactly. John Waters is a Maryland or maybe from Baltimore. Yeah, he's from Baltimore. Uh, a filmmaker, as is Barry Levinson, who mm-hmm. I don't think has many on this list, but he has a couple. Yeah, well, he's got he's got four movies that are like his Baltimore Four or whatever yeah. it is, and the only one that I've seen is Diner. Out yeah, of that. well, uh, but he's he, got other ones. Didn't he create Homicide, the TV show? Levinson. Barry Levinson. I think he was I'm, part of that. I'm not sure. I think he. I think a lot of the people with the wire were part of that too. Yeah, David Simon. I think was a writer on Homicide. Yeah, but that was set in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I've seen Diner. What are the other ones that he did that are Baltimore centric? One's Avalon, Avalon. Uh, which I I saw a long time ago. Avalon and Diner, and then I think even some parts of The Natural were shot in Baltimore, even though there was nothing in Baltimore. But um, anyway, uh, John Waters, uh, we we have a few here. Cecil B. Demented, which I've never seen. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. this is Stephen Dorff as a, uh, a gonzo director that... Uh, you know, tries to get uh, these these realistic situations, and they kidnap he and his crew kidnap uh, Melanie Griffith, mm-hmm. um, who's this who's playing this uh, superstar actress, mm-hmm. and force her to be in his film, his Gonzo film, and she ends up developing Stockholm syndrome and actually ends up like willingly participating in these things. Mm-hmm. It's very stylized. It's very unlike a John Waters movie in a lot of ways, and then a lot of silly like gross ways it is mm-hmm. um but steven dorf is great in it um i enjoyed watching it it was uh 2000 i think is when it came hmm. out um yeah it, it's weird like i should probably know more john waters movies and i think there's only one or two that i've ever seen oh really mainly because of the gross out stuff that yeah. i've always heard about yeah like i don't want to see that you mm-hmm. know it's one of those when people are sitting in pink flamingos all this stuff's going on i'm like well, do I really want to see that? Yep, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, um, Levinson was the executive producer of Homicide. Ah, okay. Um, and then made a TV movie called Homicide: The Movie. That's right. <laughs> Cl- uh, clever title. Yes, <laughs> the Transformers: uh, The Movie. That's right. Uh, then there's another John Waters Crybaby, which I've never seen. You've never seen Crybaby? Never seen I it. saw Crybaby. I went through a Johnny Depp phase, and this is the movie that where I realized I didn't like John Waters films. Um, so I'm not sure I've ever seen any other one since. It's a weird juxtaposition. It's not his most mainstream. We'll get to his most mainstream offering, uh, Pecker, later on. Uh, but Crybaby was was him like really trying to go into the mainstream because it's a period piece. It's back in 50s or 60s or something like that. Yeah. It's you know a, a Jets versus Sharks type of thing. Yeah. Like they've they've got their own gang and mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is Crybaby, and uh, it's like an exploration of classes and you know high school life and things like that mm-hmm. i think it may be post high school uh it's it's not memorable for anything other than johnny depp's performance though yeah i i do remember quite a few people loving this movie and if it if it wasn't loving the movie they just love johnny depp mm-hmm. in it and everything it's it's like this and 21 jump street were the were the things that made depp a, a semi-star he was not huge yet right and he would not be huge until Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Mm-hmm. But 
he was always this guy you could count on for these weird performances and everything and 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 really good ones that went unnoticed for a really long time but yeah crybaby is one of those movies i just never have seen it's not essential viewing but it is uh it is enjoyable i mean it's really well shot um it's got some of that john waters elements it's not gross out humor or anything like that uh, but it's just that that wackiness, that irreverence that is in John Waters stuff, and and Depp is really good. And there's three right in a row here. A Dirty Shame is another John Waters movie, and I've never seen that. Now that's the one with Johnny Knox- Knoxville and Tracy Ullman, mm-hmm. and that one's that one's funny. That's maybe the funniest John Waters movie really? that I've seen, because uh, it's this repressed society where uh, nobody talks about sex or anything like that, and then there's this this subset of people that have had traumatic brain injuries that are now completely uninhibited about sex oh yeah <laughs> and more and more the town becomes uh on this side of things and it, it becomes this this crazy uh situation of sexual exploitation i like, like john that. waters the person more than i like his movies yeah and yeah. I, and, and, and of course like i said i haven't seen many but uh, and maybe i should just to just to get that under my belt because sure. i am a i'm a guy who's supposed to know stuff about movies <laughs> but uh but like i remember him talking about how he's like you know, a lot of people watch my movies and they and they like i i can't watch this this is like 10 minutes in i can't watch this well you now now you know how i feel when i put forrest gump in my vcr <laughs> and i had to stop it about 10 minutes in you know oh, he's, great. he's got that pencil thin <laughs> yeah, mustache yeah. Yeah, i'm talking like this <laughs> yeah yeah i can't watch forrest gump yeah yeah <laughs> um then uh barry levinson's diner which is a very good movie it that's is. a really good movie yeah yeah young mickey rourke baby mm-hmm. this well, is this is a movie that taught me to put your dick in the bottom of the popcorn container <laughs> oh yeah and it works it, this is the only shit. time in history it's I ever forgot worked. that happened in this movie <laughs> yeah. yeah it actually worked and it did work yeah. yeah like he gets with her because of it <laughs> yeah, like, it's exactly. not just that she touched it it worked it worked as a as a seduction technique oh my god oh. uh you had you had four guys i, I guess uh two i mean they all went on to somewhat of a great career but not like huge or anything except for maybe kevin bacon mm-hmm. uh but you had steve gutenberg who you could not watch an 80s movie without <laughs> right yep. gutenberg was in everything he was Mick- the everyman he was and uh and mickey rourke was supposed to be the next well at the time there was no tom cruise really but somebody like a tom cruise that was supposed to have this unbelievable career because everybody loved mickey rourke back then and uh and of course you know he went through a lot of just personal trials and everything that uh sort of uh ended that in a boxing career well he was i mean he went through his own mental toughness drills yeah he did (laughs) he did um that was that's uh i i frequently have heard him being referred to as beautiful by by some, some oh people. he was he was a beautiful man, yeah, man. sort of like marlon brando maybe marlon brando was a good mm-hmm. uh comp on that but uh uh yeah i mean rourke has obviously had a, a pretty decent career but not nearly the one that everybody thought he was gonna right have. and uh, then you have bacon then you have daniel stern who you know mm-hmm character actor forever he's probably got like 170 credits or something oh yeah and paul uh, reiser too right yeah paul reiser was in this and tim daly who was who yeah, later yeah. have wings fame yeah yeah um, this is like uh if you you've heard me uh rave about kicking and screaming the noah Baumbach version mm-hmm. um this was the 80s version of that it's just yeah literally a bunch of guys getting together and talking mm-hmm. um and it's very dialogue driven it's really fascinating there's a lot of pop culture stuff in there and uh yeah it's really really it's really i love movies like this mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, then there's domestic disturbance. <laughs> <laughs> is this the only movie where Vince Vaughn is like clearly the bad guy? Psycho. No. Oh, yeah. I guess unless you unless you're what crashes. He's not the bad guy in Wedding Crash. He could, is a bad guy. I could make an argument. <laughs> he's a bad guy in um, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So ah. He's probably done it a few times. But, uh, yeah, maybe not this, like, He's evil serious. in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never seen Domestic Disturbance. Oh, you're not missing anything. No. <laughs> but I have always wanted to see this movie with the leads reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, because it's Travolta, right? Mm-hmm. Where Travolta is the menacing ass hat right. and vince vaughn is like the wholesome like husband guy because i think that's more out of character for vince vaughn because even even though he's never really been a villain he's always played rascals right mm-hmm. he's always played you know that ornery guy mm-hmm. going to get you in trouble like that's where he started with swingers he just mm-hmm. kind of carried that through it'd be nice to see him take the stand-up guy role once in a while if you've seen Lakeview Terrace, you've seen this movie. No, oh, I have seen Lakeview Terrace. It's it's essentially the same thing. Like he's Vince Vaughn's character is like a pillar of the society, and even though he can murder and do all kinds of crazy shit, nobody can do anything to him because they wouldn't believe that this guy would be right. so great. He's like a Gus Fring. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and it's like Travolta's the ex-husband mm-hmm. who suspects him. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'll tell you guys later what I just decided not to say. <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Enemy of the State. Hey, now this is a watchable, shitty movie. <laughs> I'm, I've talked about it before. Yeah. But man, have, when was the last time you saw it? Uh, right around when it came out. Yeah, oh, Jesus. same here. Oh, Jesus. I, I, this is a movie that I would totally watch if it were if it were just randomly on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want you both to watch this more than... Like so there's some great films out there that you haven't seen, and I would still prefer you watch Enemy of the State first <laughs> because it's so much more fun than you remember, and it's preposterous. But if you just buy in to the government satellites that this movie portrays, which are probably real today, yeah, um, <clears throat> it's super fun, man. Everybody's <laughs> just chewing it up. John Voight is like, I don't think he's been this much fun in ages because mm-hmm. he's just eating up that villain shit oh nice was this the beginning of weird will smith because (laughs) i remember when this movie came out and he started he this is where i believe i started hearing him start uh spout a lot of conspiracy theories Ah. like in real life Ah. and then it sort of blended into this enemy of the state which is all about that yeah everything yeah i don't know maybe because well they have he and his wife have off and on numerous times been rumored to have ties to scientology mm-hmm. his son tweets like he was raised by gerbils <laughs> <laughs> and not human what parents an awful, what a strangely specific way to describe <laughs> but he twi- i mean would- because it because it, it's like a chitter chatter of a gerbil right <laughs> but i mean jaden smith probably believes every single conspiracy theory he's ever heard that's yeah. the kind of guy he strikes me as so maybe this is where this was all i born. feel like this is where i started hearing him quite a bit like start start talking about a lot of stuff and like well yeah i can see that i guess but i'm not gonna believe that if only because of how much you love the conversation mm-hmm. you should eventually make your way back to this movie yeah uh, and and hackman in general because right. he's tons of fun in this um and you know there's a few twists and turns uh, i just like a good 
espionage yeah. thriller. It's mm-hmm. no, it's no, it's not very good, but it's really fun. <laughs> I think this is a movie that's got a surprisingly high IMDb rating, though. It um, might. I think it might actually be in the seven. This is like a it Devlin. It's, it's in the sevens. Is hmm. Devlin? No, this is Tony Scott. Tony Scott. Yeah. Um, okay, you but, say that, and now I can totally see all the Tony Scott zooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then there's Eraser. It's another movie I haven't seen since it came out. Uh, 1996. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was peak parody of himself, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Vanessa L. Williams is in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he kills it. The, basically, the premise of Eraser is that there's some super gun that's been created mm. that, like, melts buildings or some shit. I don't really remember. I saw it the one time. <laughs> but he kills an alligator with it and goes, your luggage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's about all I remember from this movie. Uh, yeah. uh, it's absurd, and it was terrible. There was, James Caan? Yes. James Caan. Yes. This was a, the summer of 96 where I, I, I'm, this may have been my peak as a, as a movie theater projectionist, just watching trailers over and over again and Eraser and Mission Impossible and Twister, mm-hmm. all these, and Space Jam. Those were the <laughs> trailers that I remember just running like on loop, it seemed like, in all the, all the movies that we had. And yeah, I saw Eraser. I don't remember much about it. Yeah. It was, it's like I said, it was peak. He's not caring. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. A uh, really good kids movie, Explorers. This movie is so much fun. Yeah. Oh my I haven't god. Haven't seen this in forever, but I love it. Fucking Ethan Hawke and River oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I love this. This is Maryland. Yeah, yeah, they're in Maryland. I didn't remember that. Yeah, man, they're super geniuses that invite in, invent like space travel, and it's it's uh, crazy. It's River Phoenix too, right? Yeah, River you Phoenix just said that, didn't you? River Phoenix is like the super super genius, and Ethan Hawke is like having these dreams about circuitry and stuff like that, huh. and they invent all this. This crazy technology. I, I really want to watch this movie again because I remember just being in love with it when I was a kid because there's there's no limit to the possibilities. You can invent anything mm-hmm. and you can go anywhere. Your parents don't have to know about it. They've got, you know, a shack out. This is the type of movie that's not made anymore. Yeah. It almost stopped at Super 8. And Super 8 was, was and by that, I mean, not like inventors or anything like that, but kid-centric movies, that kind of thing. Yeah, that I don't know what it is. I've sort Like, if you do make a movie like this nowadays... They've they've sort of missed that. There's no more wonder to it anymore, right. and I don't know why that is. If it's it, it could be just because now we're just used to the impossible happening on movies and stuff like that. Maybe it's that I don't know. But if you go back into these movies in the '80s, like Explorers and The Last Starfighter, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just Space Camp, stuff Space like Camp, that, yeah. yeah, just uh, just the and it could just be our childhood too. We might be thinking way more about these movies. Make, thinking more of these movies than than somebody who's like seven years old now might you know but i don't know but for them it's just animated or, or pixar or some something like that that's that's the main focus of the marketing towards kids it's, there's not there's a whole lot of this something to be said for the rapid exponentially advancing technology of the last 25 30 years that i don't think was happening when we were 10 years old mm-hmm. um 
just because I, I I don't think we stop and think about how fast a lot. Maybe it's harder to instill wonder because so much more shit is possible in the real world. Well, that's now. why you've got Stranger Things and it that has to go back to the eighties. Yeah, yeah. To, it's just crazy how fast it goes, and and yeah, maybe we're desensitized to, to wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Like they've made they've made, and I can't name all these movies that they've made. They've made movies that are kind of like this. It's just they're they're not marketed as oh i mean the explorers didn't i don't think even did anything at the box no, office i not. mean you know who are we kidding i mean we look back fondly on it now but you know who knows it probably only made like six million dollars or something <laughs> but like uh it just it doesn't seem like there's that that feeling and you're right i think that these type of movies and shows and everything have to go back to the 80s or whatever right. to because there's so much technology now. It's like, oh, you built a spaceship? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I've got three in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah. You built a spaceship? Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> um, then there is uh, Hairspray. Now, this is also the John Waters Hairspray. Mm-hmm. This is not the remake that, right. uh, that came out. Uh, so this is no Travolta? Although I think Travolta. the remake is also in, in Mary. Is it? Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have not seen this either. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. It, mm-hmm. I don't remember if the original was a musical. It uh, was, but they just I think. Yeah, I think so. Ricky but, Lake was in that, right? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, she and was. And then they just recently did one of those stunt live uh, performances of it on uh, Fox or NBC or something like that. Yeah, they're burning that shit to the ground, aren't they? Not, I mean, not hairspray, but these stunt live right, performance exactly. things. They they tend to be fine. Well, they get a lot of ratings. Uh, yeah, that- I enjoyed the Grease one. Uh, Hairspray was fine. Um, I haven't watched any of them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just like going to see a play. If you go to see a play, they typically know their shit and hit their marks and know their lines and all that stuff. It's just filmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then there's a, He's Just Not That Into You, which... <sighs> did this, this is what really launched the multi... Like, just the, the ton of... Uh, people in one movie maybe in a romantic comedy thing maybe because then after that it was you know stuff like valentine's day and mother's day all the days yeah. all the days yeah arbor uh, day yeah exactly um <laughs> but this has like you know how many people in it jennifer goodwin jennifer aniston jennifer Connolly, all the oh, all the jennifers <laughs> morgan lily let's see that's not somebody we know Bradley uh, Cooper, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, you could literally say any name in this list, and I would believe <laughs> yeah. you because I have never seen this film, and I will never watch. Kevin Connolly, Justin Long, Ben Affleck. Oh, I forgot Affleck was in this. Busy Phillips, Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah, Drew Barrymore's the best friend that I think it says the roll credits line. Yeah, I mean it's uh, and this was all based on a a self help book that had no plot it was just it was a you know advice book and they turned it into a romantic comedy <laughs> yes they did and uh yeah it's not very good there's got to be a market for this because they keep making it and they probably make it for cheap which is weird because i think everybody agrees to work for scale or or, or they're maybe, in it for tw- or, 12 or, seconds <laughs> yeah or they under the table it somewhere right. where it's like just pay me a million yeah you know and then you know whatever but i think they mostly just work for scale and yeah you're right they probably only because they're only in it for a certain amount of time they don't Mm -hmm. they don't get to demand a whole bunch for it but they love being in it for whatever reason yeah but uh yeah not very good but um so you're saying it's not like a robert downey jr situation um did you see that article a couple weeks ago about how much money he made for spider-man homecoming no because it's like i think it was 10 million dollars oh really and like the article said, his screen time was like eight minutes and some. Mm-hmm. That's about right. Yeah, well, that's like that's like Brando. Yeah, that's that's it's almost well. I'm, 
adjusted for inflation, it's probably the exact same, mm-hmm. but it definitely seems worse than the Brando and yeah, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, then there's Home for the Holidays. That's another one on the long line of family gets together at Thanksgiving movies. Why, why no, do they keep is, making these? No, no, no. This this is different. This is better. This is much better. I've seen this movie. Yeah. I had a Claire Danes thing. You forget. Did you like it? I liked it. This was Jodie Foster directing. Jodie right? Foster directing and Holly, Holly Hunter, Hunter was yeah. the, the main person. But I, aren't there about a hundred of these Thanksgiving or Christmas family meal movies? Yes, but they're worse than this. This well, this well, may I, I have actually okay. kicked it off because it seemed like there were just this one came out in like what ninety five yeah um it, it, I think that I think the just the just like the ton of them started kind of like a family stone yeah and, yeah yeah uh you know just a million of these like everybody comes to and everybody hates each other right. and <laughs> and there's they've all have their issues we that, fight we laugh we make up we eat turkey someone <laughs> always comes in and says they're way better than somebody and then you find out that they they've have they've got demons yeah somebody's um, somebody's unexpectedly pregnant yeah exactly there's always that and it was was that tina fey uh J- uh jason bateman yeah 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 i love movie. that one, that, that movie's good uh i can't remember what that was called. well it's got a generic title like only the brave um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give you a hundred bucks I've, if it's actually only it, the brave it's not it's like the, i think the word just is in it though um let me look it up real quick because just the way I you hate, are i hate letting things go like he's that. just that into you yes uh this is where i leave you this is where i leave you mm-hmm. terrible oh, yeah. title yeah is it a good movie yeah, I enjoyed it. No, it's it's decent. It's I mean, not any better or worse than any of these other movies I'm making fun mm, of, though. Mm. I think you may put a little too much stock in Home for the Holidays quality. I saw oh, one no, the other day. Can't tell you the name of it. John Goodman and Diane Keaton were in it. They were the matriarch and patriarch, and the family mm. was all getting together for the holidays. And I was like, skip. <laughs> so that wasn't a family stone? So should Diane Keaton's been in several maybe, of these? Maybe well, and then fam- Something's Gotta Give is, is kind of like that, where everybody kind of converges yep. on one place. It's the family stone. Is it Love the Coopers? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Only the Brave. <laughs> Colon Love the Coopers. Um and then uh, so it what did you want to what did you did you have anything to say about Home for the Holidays? That no, was- it's just it's a little more subversive. Uh there's a little more like acrimony like actual believable stuff. Yeah. Uh but it's it's definitely worth a, a watch. Holly Hunter is always good to see. You're right you're right about the Claire Danes thing cuz cuz yeah, this is this was around the time that, you know, she was just i don't know she was at her oh she was fantastic yeah she was she yeah. she plays the emma roberts uh role in valentine's day where she's like i'm gonna have sex with my vo- boyfriend at third period today claire danes and family and, and uh home for the holidays is like i'm gonna have sex with my boyfriend tonight or something yeah like that. i might need to rewatch this movie yeah then there is uh live free or die hard yeah <laughs> well everything is, i guess this is the through die hard. I, th- I think of that as more of a dc movie but well, I everything after the uh, the warlock scene, the Kevin Smith scene, is in Maryland, um, where they trace him down to to that uh, that warehouse. What a yeah. regrettable, terrible, awful movie! I think this is the best of the latter day uh, diehards, though. Have there been three? There's more? only been two. There's only been I don't two. know. I think this morning's was the best of all the poops I've taken. This yeah, week. <laughs> it was. It's certainly better than than uh, Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when this came out and. I hated it immediately. I, it, this was where they turned John McClane into a superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if you if you think that for some reason that he was in the other three, 
I would beg you to look look at those again and and tell me, even though there's a little bit of luck involved, that a human could actually do the things right. that he does in this. Right. In Live Free or Die Hard, oh my God, how many <laughs> times does he cheat death in this? And this is another thing that I, I, I like to talk about with the Fast and Furious movies and everything. I can sort of go along with you that you can survive all this shit for one movie yeah but then when you get into the like five six seven chapters and you're surviving 10 things that should kill you every single time that adds up for to me i'm keeping a tally motherfucker you know how they say that the common joke is that eventually the fast and furious series is going to go to space yeah i had a realization the other day they are and when they get there, they're going to be teaming up with the dinosaurs from the Jurassic movies. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> because those are, the, those are the two universal properties that have both gone off the deep end. Yep. Like, jump the shark in my book. And so it just feels natural they'll slide them mm. together. Dominic yeah. Toretto will be punching a T-Rex in the mouth. <laughs> you can see that slow motion shot right now. I can. <laughs> I just I don't. I can yeah. see it. It's a shame, though, that, you know, because Live Free or Die Hard has Timothy Oliphant as the bad guy. And he's mm -hmm. so good. He is. I love he's me great. Timothy He's great Oliphant. in everything. Yes. I've never not liked him. Um. Then there's uh, Patriot Games. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Oh, because I guess he lives in Maryland. Mm hmm. So, yeah, this is a uh, this is a. Uh, might be the first movie Sean Bean dies in. Oh, it could be. Because <laughs> it's one of the first movies that Sean Bean is in that we know him from. Or like, I think he was a... Uh, he was in Gold... No, this was before Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is before Goldeneye. Um, and he's the angry Irish IRA whatever guy that, <laughs> that Harrison <laughs> Ford pisses off. And then this guy's like, forget my politics and everything I've sacrificed my whole life for. I'm going to kill that motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys love this movie? No, man. I've only seen it once. I've seen Clear and Present Danger like 15 times. It seems like this is a movie that we should have watched like a million times because we love Hunt for Red October. Mm -hmm. I like Clear and Present Danger, mm -hmm. too. Uh, it's Jack Ryan. We're all kind of on board with that character. But it was and people love this. This movie. It was such an odd switch. Yeah. That was it was only two years that Alec Baldwin had done Hunt for October, and then suddenly there's a much older Harrison Ford right. playing the yep. playing the character. Um, I think it made more sense in Clear and Present Danger, right? Because isn't that yeah. one of the ones where it's later on yeah. in the Jack Ryan? Like Patriot Games, I don't think... Yeah, like If you actually care, and again, b the books don't matter, but if you care about the, the arc, then yeah, Patriot Games is taking place earlier in Jack Ryan's life than mm -hmm. clear to present danger by at least 10 or 15 years, mm -hmm. if not more. It's it's taking place early in his career. It's one of the first events. I think the book might even come before Hunt for Red October in mm -hmm. the Jack Ryan timeline. Yeah, that is just weird. It was, a, it was a hard sell. I mean, and I was only 15 when this came out. Yeah. But it was a hard sell that... Alec Baldwin then becomes Harrison Ford two years later. Right, right. Even if even if you don't care about timeline, right. it just didn't make sense. Of course, now we've got how many Jack Ryan? Ben Affleck's been Jack Ryan. Chris Pine has been Jack Ryan. And now ben John Affleck. now John Krasinski. Some of all fears. Oh shit! Yeah, some of all fears. I completely wiped that from my memory. What do you think of this Krasinski thing? Have you seen the trailer? I haven't that? seen the trailer. I feel I saw I saw a, a headline about it, and I was like, oh, season two is coming, and I was like. 
No, it's not. I read deeper. They've just been promoting this show for two years. They've, never, they've never released season one. It's not season two <laughs> of that show. Hmm. We're just still waiting on season one. And they, they showed a trailer, like, I think two years ago I saw a trailer. For really? It. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So anyway. you think he maybe has some, some they want to do it now because of the quiet place and everything? Maybe. I don't I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the production just took that long. But I, I want this to be good. Like, I can buy John Krasinski. Especially if they set it when I think they are, as he's sort of in the middle of his transition from analyst to field agent or operative. Uh, but Jack, I know a little too much about Jack Ryan. No, yeah. I it's was a big Tom Clancy nerd for a while. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, I hope it's good. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, I've, I've only, I mean, I probably only saw Patriot Games the one time. Mm. I've, I've seen all the others a hundred times. I mean, like, I've even seen some of All Fears like twice. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the Patriot Games is the one that just gets lost for me. <laughs> Um. Then we have another John Waters Pecker that you were talking about. Yeah, this another is another John Waters Pecker. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a. I liked this movie. Uh, this was um Eddie Furlong. Yeah, it's Edward Furlong, and then Christina Ricci uh, is oh, playing his, about her, yeah. his girlfriend. And I was still in my Christina Ricci phase yeah. at, at this point, and uh, it's it's definitely his most mainstream uh, attempt. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a. Uh, Edward Furlong is like this photographer that uh, from Baltimore, outside of Baltimore, that gets super famous. And, you know, the uh, the town that was once supporting him and really encouraging to do this feels alienated by his success and everything. And, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's like a nice little late 90s um, romantic comedy slice of life thing. Hmm. And mm -hmm. it's got Christina Ricci and I love her. Yeah, so, that's good enough for me. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you've seen all these John Waters movies, or yeah. else it would have been a nothing but like we <laughs> haven't seen that shit. It's it weird how many I've seen actually, because I, I I don't really like him. I don't, I don't like Pink, Pink Flamingos at all. Well, I was about to say, <laughs> speaking of, I haven't seen that shit, Pink Flamingo, <laughs> yeah, which is known for one main main scene, but yeah. it, it's could it could be. It could be. Is is this the most recognizable John Waters movie? Like, do most people Maybe. down the street, if you said Pink Flamingos, would immediately recall John Waters on this? Possibly, yeah, possibly, because you know it's it's the one where he goes to his John Waters Z and Linksiest. Mm -hmm. The fuck did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> he definitely goes to the extremes in this. The main character is Divine, this this um, performance artist that's known for like outlandish acts and outlandish appearance and things like that. And the movie's just gross, and mm -hmm. it's gross because he wants it to be gross, and I think he wants to show a side of of uh, popular culture. It, is this would this movie be considered tame today? No, no, it it's wouldn't? it's still fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's still fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it like recently, but I'm not gonna watch it. Still fucked up. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you anti sold me on it. Um, then there's uh the replacements. <sighs> you not like that movie at all? No. Ooh. Wait, wait. This oh. Keanu Reeves. Keanu. Yeah. Canoe and, and Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Oh, Gene. Uh, this is uh, either loosely based or is directly based on the 1987 NFL strike. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the Redskins. Are, yes. Uh -huh. But but I don't know if they don't it's use... the Washington Sentinels. Yeah, yes. in this it's, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they... Because uh, I think the 87 Redskins ended up being uh, quarterback by Doug Williams, right? Mm. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But uh, in this one, it's like some other... 
just random white dude. Yeah, it's Johnny Utah. Yeah, well, uh, no, Falco, I mean, Shane Falco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the other quarterback that he played. All right, Shane Falco. But I mean, no, there was another. There's another veteran guy who's on strike during yeah. this, who's threatening to take his job if they ever get off of strike or whatever. Yeah. Just uh, watch Necessary Roughness and forget this mm, shit. Really? Man. I mean. You guys see no merit in this? It's no. it's just it's just funny. It's actually just fun. the only thing I remember is going to make me sound like a perv. But I remember the love interest girl being hot enough that Brooke I, Langdon. I had to look up who she was. Yeah. Oh, she is amazingly beautiful. And then they had the she's stripper. In swingers. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, she's, yeah. They had the stripper. Hi, this is Nikki. Ah, <laughs> uh, love me some Brooke Langdon, man. Yep. She was in Friday Night Lights for an arc too. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah um yeah I, I i wasn't big on this this is also also maybe personally affected me in some way this is one of the few movies that i built that i built with a bad splice in it and it went out of frame Ooh, oh and I re- I, why do i remember that i don't know <laughs> because it happened so rarely yeah yeah so i, I think it happened during like it was a uh sneak preview we had of it Ah. And so you had to build it that day. And I mean, I used to brag about how good I was at building movies without mistakes in them. Because mm-hmm. I think I built maybe two movies over my career where I had a bad splice. But I'm not bragging. It's just that it's if you pay attention, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, you have to be distracted almost by something unexpected to put a bad splice. Or you're just not paying attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. every once in a while a movie will come in. And this was one of them because the real change in question had a had a uh, a a jib shot where the camera is coming down and so like there's no like you can't see where like most frames you can see the image that's just still right and it's like oh okay well then i definitely cut right here and there was no line or Mm. anything or if the line is there it's very hidden so as this is moving that it's moving down uh along a wall Mm. so the wall looks like the line and uh, so, like, it's doing this type of thing, and, you know, I cut it on the wall uh, instead of cut it above it. And then, yeah, it, I don't remember. I think it went through. I think I was there because I wasn't sure about it, mm-hmm. and I was just there watching it when the reel changed and just, you know, flipped it back up. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, every once in a while, a filmmaker will throw, a, throw you a curveball like uh, Quentin Tarantino on Kill Bill put one of his chapter breaks at the beginning of a reel where it's just black and then it's like the title and the title wasn't centered Ah. so like people who were not me built the movie and like though it kept going out of frame for that first day because i wasn't there or whatever and then the next day i came in and i had to sit there and just look at it it's so hard to find them once you've built them i feel like there was one of the star wars prequels that came to Hollywood with a special note. There was at least this definitely happened. Oh. I think it was a Star Wars movie where they said like real five ends on black. Yeah. And so you need to be extra careful making this splice because of that. Such as I remember getting a warning in the can with, yeah. with one movie. And hmm. and sometimes they're real helpful. They'll give you they they would give you like it is eight frames or thirty two sprocket holes from this right. spot on the the header or footer or whatever. And they'll and oh that's really helpful. But man, that fucking kill Bill. They said, fuck you. Man. <laughs> um, then there's a runaway bride. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Just watch they tried, my best to, they tried to recreate magic with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts some 10 years after Pretty Woman, and it just didn't work. Yep. Uh, saved. Good movie. Saved. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Movie. Did you like this one? 
Well, you have to. Depends on what part of my life I watched it. Guys, uh-huh. watch Saved and watch uh, Teeth back to back. <laughs> oh, that'll fuck you up. Because uh. this is about the same deal. It's Essentially, a, it's about it's about uh, kids, Christian kids, trying to save themselves from marriage and making promises and all that. Teeth is obviously way more vicious uh like as far as violence is concerned but saved is more vicious i think dialogue wise oh yeah i agree and everything and there's a lot there's a really good crew of of actors in here man like this is the first time i saw mandy moore yeah. as an actress yeah. i think like before this is like yeah you're just doing that thing that all the pop stars are doing you're trying to get in movies and you know trying to do that double threat thing yeah but this was a really good role for her mm-hmm. um and then there's eva murray who's susan sarandon's daughter is in this um macaulay's in macaulay this. calkins in this in uh, a wheelchair yeah that's right yeah that's right I and he is in a while. biting and sarcastic and, and so yeah seriously between the good son and home alone 2 and this i don't remember seeing him in anything except for michael jackson videos. i always felt like a pairing that's so interesting that you paired this with teeth because you're totally right. But I pair it with Donnie Darko. Mm, that makes sense. We had Jenna Malone connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that may be it. The school mm. uniform on Jenna Malone. Yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like the town in Donnie Darko is that sort of oppressive, too strict and conservative yep. kind of thing with these kids. Because there's that whole Patrick Swayze thing mm-hmm. in Donnie Darko. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other people are Patrick Fujit from Almost, oh, yeah! Almost Famous, Heather Matarazzo's in there. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. From uh, uh, Hostel 2. Yeah, from, from the Devil's Hostel Advocate. 2's Heather Matarazzo. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, this is really good. I think this is this is how satire should be. Yep. And it's uh, it's it's just very well done. Another recommend. I would Speaking say. of Hostel 2, her character gets the rawest deal in that movie mm-hmm. of everyone. Yeah. I just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's disturbing as fuck. <laughs> Eli Roth, it. man, I'm telling you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, uh, Best Picture winner, The Shape of Water. Yeah. Oh. Uh, obviously, Baltimore uh, docks and That's everything right. uh, factor, uh, factor prominently in this. I don't know if any of the other part of the movie does, really. Though. I mean, it's it's the downtown area. But it is. I mean, the movie's like, set in right. Maryland. <laughs> I was like, I was making sure I didn't say anything. No, I was about to toss out another movie that I think alphabetically you just haven't gotten to yet. Oh, okay. And so I'm going to hold it and wait. <laughs> oh, okay. Michael Shannon is one of the most terrifying villains I've ever seen in this movie. Yeah, yeah and he's he's terrifying in just about every movie. I mean, they just they just villain. tapped into like his innate ability to. I saw a movie where he was a villain. good guy, and I couldn't buy it. <laughs> Do you? You remember that uh, thing that happened a few years ago, where the there was a sorority that uh, the the like the head of the sorority got pissed off at her uh, fellow like I don't know what oh she sent pledges out that email? or whatever yeah. and yeah sent out an email and said said for those of you looking for a nice thing here whatever prepare for a wild fucking ride yeah. all this other stuff well there was a they got michael shannon to read this oh, that's oh right. really <laughs> that's right. and and uh and 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 he it's just straight michael shannon he's like be prepared for a wild fucking ride <laughs> <laughs> and and straight michael shannon can make things so funny um but uh yeah intense actor michael yeah, shannon is. is 
But uh, so Shape of Water is good. I didn't I didn't think it was best picture or anything. I but, didn't either. But I liked it, just, it better the second time I saw it. It was just Guillermo del Toro's mm-hmm. time. But uh, I like this movie. Yeah, me too. Um, then there's Shattered Glass. Yeah. Oh, this is some good shit. It really is. This is the shit you need to watch if you're the one on Twitter making jokes about how bad Hayden Christensen is at acting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of great people in this. Yeah. There's a Sarsgaard or a Skarsgård in here. <laughs> it's, it's Peter Sarsgaard. <laughs> uh, there's a Gard. In fact, this is, this, yeah, there's there is a, a 70. There's a, yeah, there, yeah. There is a Chloe 70 in this. Um, but, uh, yeah, Peter Sarsgaard, this might be his best performance. It's great. I think. Yeah, yeah. He almost steals it from Christensen. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Mm-hmm. Almost. Hayden Christensen plays this writer who, uh, is it Stephen Glass? Yeah. Yeah, based, this is a true story. This by was the way. based on yeah, based on a true story, and uh, and it's about he kept he kept uh, writing stuff that would get on the cover, and like everybody loved these stories and everything, and then it's it, I think it's Sarsgaard is the one who gets a tip from somebody. It's actually Steve Zahn and Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Just when you think this movie has thrown all the great actors at you. And I don't even think this was a theatrical release. I think this it, was like it an was. H- I was saw it? It, yeah. Okay, I thought it was like an HBO movie or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh and I think they work for Forbes. Yeah. And basically they publish a story about tech, uh, a tech conference where there's this hacker kid, some hacker conference. And, and, and the way Stephen Glass wrote was just very colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people are just really good at prose. Um, and so Steve Zahn starts to dig a little bit. And at one point he goes to his boss and he's like, this thing is a sieve. Uh, and Rosario Dawson's like begging for a byline credit because they're going to write a story that debunks all this. And they go back and forth with Sarsgaard on the phone and they keep trying to get Glass to give them the, his sources of information. He gives them a phone number. They call and get it's always fake answering machine. Right. Uh, it gives them a website and it looks like it was built, with, you know, and. I don't know what what was the early days. Yeah, of Yeah, like it has those Angel like Fire. it has that like Homer Simpson uh, made a <laughs> made a web page type of look to it. And so, yeah, I don't think it spoils the movie at all. I actually think it helps you enjoy the movie more to know that uh, turns out Glass was making most of this shit up. Yeah, uh, just whole cloth fabrications, um, and it probably began innocently enough where he just embellished a detail on a on a story that was true, mm-hmm. and it got him the attention, the cover. The praise, the movie keeps cutting. I've seen this a lot, by the way. I've mm-hmm. seen this like seven or eight times. Keeps cutting between the action, the linear action of him being discovered and him talking to a high school class of writers yeah. about what it's like to be a good writer and how. And, and the juxtaposition there helps you understand why he ultimately did what he did. He was he was loving that attention. Uh, but yeah, Sarsgaard almost steals the movie as he slowly comes to the realization. Man, he's really good. Like uh, talking, going back to Christensen, you've met guys like this before. Yeah, you've talked to people like this who have an answer for everything. Yeah, who never admit they're wrong. Who you you point out the inconsistencies in their story, and they always have some other little pathway to go down. <laughs> right. Say it to you with a straight face. <laughs> they almost believe it themselves. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, he's so good at that. Sarsgaard, I think, is probably the best actor in this, though. I, I love his whole like. He there's like there's a scene where he goes into a room with all their covers, yep. and he goes in, he starts reading all the articles, and then he just starts realizing all these stories are bullshit and everything. <laughs> and there's and there's still some people in the office who don't believe it. Yeah. And there the the scene between Sarsgaard and Seventy. Yeah. Is so great because he's like he falsified his research. 
you know and it's yeah. like you're like oh shit like this yeah. is this is the end of glass right here yeah. and everything very good movie yeah very and good. he's mm-hmm. like offended from a from a morals this is what i love about this movie is that there are so many characters that actually have journalistic integrity mm-hmm. like he's he's embarrassed yeah. to be affiliated with this magazine that will now be dragged through the mud for having published this bullshit and glass once once he finally realizes cuz he he tries until the very very last moment to come up with some kind of spin and then he threatens to kill himself. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. And it's almost like I always felt like the movie was saying this like this is the ultimate attention seeking behavior is that you, this is what's always driven him. And now he has the only way he can get any attention from this guy at all right now <laughs> is to make that kind of a threat. Right. And 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 he doesn't fall for it. He's even like, I'll call you a cab. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere with you right now. And you need to. Anyway, it's really, really good. I, I recommend it. Two thumbs up and even my dick. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well. I don't, um, know. I don't know why I did that. I don't either. You're just looking for a way to be dirty and you did it. I Congratulations. Um, then comes the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I did see this movie because it came out in 2005. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. This blur- blurs in with the Yaya sisterhood and I can't keep all the sisterhoods apart. This is yeah. all A actresses, right? Like Alexis Bledel. And- you have Alexis Bledel. You have Amber Tamlin, America Ferrera, who I think at the time was, did she, was she in that uh, Ugly Betty? Ugly Betty? Betty show yeah, at the time so. I yeah. think so and then it sort of introduced us to Blake Lively yeah. who I, this is the reason why I watched the movie <laughs> um I, I'm I'm not made of stone uh <laughs> you show me a Blake Lively I'm gonna go watch that movie uh but uh don't remember anything about it, it yeah. isn't isn't in the isn't it like everybody has a turn with the pants yeah yep. it's like the Stanley and, Cup of pants yeah <laughs> <laughs> And they made a second one, didn't they? They did. Yeah. I think I saw that shit, too. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Everybody gets a day with the pants. Yes. Uh, then there is... Uh, this is funny how Barrett wrote this down. Uh, step up, ha, ha, ha. And step up to the streets, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, I believe, if I recall, they, they're at a... There's some Baltimore dance school, some prestigious... Is there a, There's a real one, isn't there? There's a real... Ba- probably. There's a real prestigious... Like, they probably even went to this and saved the last dance or something like probably, that. Probably, probably. Although, yeah. save the last dance doesn't show up here. That's so maybe in Chicago. Not. Yeah, that's in yeah, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, step up. Um, that was Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. That was sort of the, uh, introduction of Channing Tatum to the world. And he can dance. He can. He, he can, can dance, dance like a motherfucker. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, and he, and he met his, uh, his once and future wife on this, uh, set too. Either once those, and, uh, what's her name? Soon to be not. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Once and. Once and. Um, step, Jenna Dewan. Jenna uh, Dewan. Yeah, yeah, Jenna Dewan. What and, do we think about these movies? Uh, they, they're, I mean, they're they're they made like candy, nine of them. Right? Yeah, they're so cotton candy type. Movies. Somebody's watching them. Well, uh, the funny thing is, is that step up to the streets. It sounds like it should be like step up colon yeah, yeah, to yeah. the streets. Right. It's step up to the colon, streets. The streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's right. Wrong. Why'd they do that? I don't know. I think they wanted to have that sort of weird, like yeah. step up to the streets, but they. <laughs> Like, yeah, for some reason, they just couldn't. They had to have the two there. They had to. That's like the chili with con carne. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember uh, back in the old days writing reviews, and Step Up was one of them. 
where I trashed the movie and everything and like and rarely got comments on that old site that we used to write on from outside. It was like a blog. Yeah. Uh but somebody randomly came on there one time and said he's like, F you, you don't like this movie because you can't dance like that. <laughs> yeah, there you're you go. right. I wrote back, you're right. I because I can't dance as good as Channing Tatum, that's why this movie sucks. <laughs> uh what when you're right you're right that's yeah. right what can yeah. you do gotcha. come back for that uh if you write no can defense that's right uh the sum of all fears is on here that, that's the one i almost brought up a second ago uh this is ben affleck mm-hmm. playing jack bauer jack, <laughs> jack bauer that's right let's keep on let's go with that hopefully no one will correct us one of the greatest problems i think with the way Hollywood has treated the Jack Ryan character or property uh, is that they they are motivated by studio decisions, right? So they want to get a younger star that can be in more films, or they want to get Harrison Ford to lend all this star power credence and box office draw, and they keep fucking up the actual timeline of Jack Ryan's life. So some of all fears in the book takes place when he's the age that Harrison Ford's playing him in Clear and Present Danger. Oh, really? And he's the designated survivor and Japan crashes a goddamn plane into the Capitol building uh-huh. and kills everyone. And uh-huh. he becomes president. And so some of all fears, the movie, they're like, well, we want to make him younger. We want to do Ben Affleck. Right. But we're going to take this event from his older life and shoehorn it into his life when he's just an analyst. And so we get a lot of the same beats we had in Hunt for Red October where Morgan Freeman, who's James Earl Jones' stand-in in this film, mm-hmm. um, playing an amalgamation of characters that aren't really in the book. Um, you know, brings Jack Ryan to this briefing and then surprisingly he's the one giving it or has all the information. And I actually really like this movie as much as I'm kind of bragging on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the big nuke scene. Which they is, nuke Baltimore, right? They nuke Baltimore. Well, it's it's played kind of like a dirty bomb. Yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not an actual nuke. It is a nuke in the sense that one got s- found and stolen and like because he sends Lee Schreiber off on this mission to find the missing Russian scientists and that's when they discover there that there's a nuke they were working on. Mm. And but doesn't doesn't uh, Bridget Moynihan's character like survive this blast when she's in the hospital? Yes. Uh it's so it's it can't be a nuke in the sense that it goes off and there's there's definitely a zone where there's radiation, but some places like the hospital the windows It's a, it's a movie nuke. Their windows get broken, <laughs> but they're still able to yeah, help patients. Yeah, they get blown in the back of the the walls yes, and, and this is another one of these movies where the the male lead's girlfriend is a nurse at a hospital. Yep during a disaster uh but the the way they play that nuke scene i thought was really really well done especially when it it was coming on the heels of 9-11 and so they Mm. try to treat everything sensitively and not like exploit and so they don't really show you the mushroom cloud the way you would expect them Mm -hmm. to they just kind of there's this moment where and you see a shock wave well yeah all you do is see them in that in that hospital and there's not been an explosion yet and it's just yeah. kind of it comes out of nowhere like the way they shoot it it kind of telegraphs it but uh it, it, it's a really effective way of showing yeah yeah, yeah. i would have watched more movies with affleck playing this character. he's all right in this right he's fine in this yeah. if, if there are problems with this movie it's not him it's mm. not morgan freeman it's not leaf shriver it's actually not the acting at all it's just that we're hitting a lot of the same beats we've already hit with jack ryan and we're only doing that because you younged him down so you could put affleck in there mm-hmm. and anyway. it had been since clear and present danger since since we've revisited this character. but they could have they could have kept harrison ford now granted they might not have been able to afford him or get his interest mm-hmm. but they could have kept him 
and yeah. had him play the older Jack Ryan, designated survivory. Because basically, what happens through the course of the books is he goes from analyst to field op. From field op, he gets in tight with the NSA head because they came up together. Then he becomes the head of the NSA and the security advisor to the president. I think he- what you're you're trying to say here is that it's it's hard to there's it's hard to care about this character because we're not seeing him grow any exactly over, yeah. over all these movies he's always going back a couple of steps or forward a couple of steps or you don't really get the sense of like who jack ryan is over a course of a bunch of movies especially with three different actors yep. of varying age yeah and i think that i think that what people liked about it when it was just a series of books was following that character through that growth and seeing him on every single level basically from beat cop all the way up um anyway yeah we're never gonna get that but if this krasinski show is great maybe we'll get some of that growth Mm -hmm. but you know a lot of it was growth from you know what happened 30 years ago to what's happening to we're not gonna get 30 year growth out of it anyway so i'm rambled enough some Um, of all fears is enjoyable i know i know this is one of barrett's favorites wedding crashers yeah i love wedding crashers i still don't understand how owen wilson's character knows so much about secretary cleary at that wedding when he goes up to christopher walken who's the secretary of defense or i don't know something like that commerce secretary and he's like uh he meets him he's like man i read your your treatise on oh, yeah. uh, this and that and that and he's like well what did you think and he's like well your contention that this and then i saw you do this inter- i don't think he does this much research for all of the weddings that he goes mm-hmm. to and so the reason that he gets invited into this whole family is is that, mm-hmm. and I don't really I don't really understand it. Anyway, I watched that for the sixtieth time the other yeah. day, and that <laughs> it's funny. I, I I love Wedding Crashers, but I've only seen it like twice. It's so great. It's my it's my absolute happy place. There's a a section there after he gets dumped. Owen Wilson gets dumped, and he goes into this depression and all that stuff, and he goes crashing by himself that's just horribly depressing mm-hmm. uh but then he goes isn't and, that the one where he's like there's that parade of women he keeps like having sex with? that's at the beginning that's at the beginning yeah yeah because yeah, oh, okay. they're just like throwing them on the bed mm-hmm. and all that stuff but then once he meets uh will ferrell's character like the movie just gets a jolt right back mm-hmm. again and it's great man i mean isla fisher rage mcadams Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Bradley Cooper, Christopher Walken, Jane Seymour. Like, I mean, this has got a fucking punchy cast. Mm-hmm. Right here. Who who made this film? It was uh, David Dobkin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, who who who? He and Vince Vaughn are tight because they've done several things together. I think Clay Pigeons was the first one they did. Oh yeah. And then uh, then that Maroon Five video that came out a year or two ago where it's oh. all, the, all the plush animals and shit and everybody oh. everybody's walking around in the like the costumes or furries or yeah, whatever yeah. vince vaughn shows up at the end of that and david dobkin did that video yeah. oh interesting um so yeah i think they have sort of a, a working relationship that they like it's good man i love this movie a lot um then there's the x-files yeah the x-files is now is, are we talking about the series or everything uh this is the 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 first movie the first movie yes all right so this uh, is the the oily uh this is this is the beginning of oil being evil like <laughs> like like evil alien oil yes. like we see this in a ton of movies now it seems like but you know you had uh you have lucas black as like a like a, this is right after sling blade i believe that he yeah. was in this uh he goes down into some sort of hole in the ground and this like black oily stuff gets on him and uh, that sets the plot. And there's bees, right? I think there is bees. I really like this movie 
Now, I loved the X-Files, so I was, like, fucking hyped for this movie. Man, X-Files, the series, almost felt like Lost did to me, because I enjoyed watching it, and then uh, it just never could decide what it wanted to be. Like, it never decided what the overall story's answer was. Yeah. Like, if they had just gone one with one direction, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, there's fucking aliens. Yeah, he the aliens kidnapped uh fox's kid or fox's brother or whatever when he was younger yeah that happened was that what it was a sister sister yeah yeah. uh yeah all that happened this is and there's a conspiracy to hide it right and just say that and go on yeah if they had had if they had done what lost did and obviously lost didn't do it perfectly but set an end date Mm -hmm. for for this uh for this series breaking bad did you know all that stuff then it really would have benefited the legacy because you started getting all this real world stuff, contract disputes and David Duchovny wanting a movie career and then Robert Patrick coming in and then have Duchovny coming back for the last episode when everybody had checked out. If you put a hard stop on this right around the movie or a couple years afterwards, you've got a story, you've got a narrative that you can stick to, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It meandered all over the place. And, you know, I know there's probably some X-Files fans out there who are like, they did explain it. They did. Well, if mm, anything, they over-explained shit. Kind, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I just never felt like they, they had the satisfactory explanation in their head the entire time. They kept adding things to it that was, I don't know. It, it, you're right. I think the, that's one of those things that series lasted until, 2001 yep. 2002 and i remember those last seasons going oh okay they're gonna get to fig- we're gonna figure out what cigarette smoking man's uh deal is and all that yep. and fucking kill his ass on a mountain and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh just a lot of the different things like you never really got satisfactory answers to a lot of yep. things I, am i wrong no you're absolutely right uh, they may have explained all the individual plot threads, but they were at that point there were too many. Mm-hmm. There was no central narrative uh, that could sustain it, and and you can have I those. I think pocket that's what episodes. I'm trying to get at. Like mm-hmm. there was explanation, but it just none of it tied together right. whatsoever. Right. Uh, there's some honorable mentions here. We, uh, I mean, of course, we talked a little bit about the wire right off at the beginning. Well, the wire definitely takes place in Baltimore. Yes, it does. Uh, it's definitely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I would highly encourage everyone, including Barrett, to watch it. I will. It just takes me. Everybody has those like shameful gaps in their resume of of series, great yep. series that they haven't. Uh, yeah, seen. you notice how quiet I was during all that X Files talk, right? Did you yeah. watch the X Files? Watched it, but I didn't. Interesting. I didn't catch the wave. In fact, I actually got turned off because of all the underlying mystery. I the episodes that I enjoyed were the one offs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I watched it. I watched plenty of it. I've seen the movies, but I definitely didn't watch all of it. Mm. I definitely gave up before you did. Um, and that's a, I guess people would consider that a gap in my resume. Well, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I've whiffed on the wire. I know I need to watch it. I know it's probably going to be fantastic, uh, but it, it'll just take the right time. Well, I had an interesting sort of uh, um, experience with the wire because I did not see the first season when it came out. And then the second season came on, and this is when Jeremy started telling me about it. And I believe we used to have a ritual every Sunday to go watch this. Uh, And I was watching the second season of it and not knowing anything about the first season. And then after I watched the second season, I really enjoyed it, but I missed the next season after that. (laughs) And then I think I missed, I think I may have seen the fourth season and then the fifth season. So I missed the third season, which is the third season, the school 
the no, school? The th- season four is the school. Okay, what's the third one? The third one is the one that's hard to nail down, but it's the Carcetti focused it's the politics focused one. Oh, okay so i saw season two and three and then missed four mm. and everybody was telling me how great four was and while it was going on never got a chance to see it. <laughs> then i saw the se- season five and saw all that and then people were like you gotta watch so i still i didn't have season one or four and i think at one point i just decided to just this is a show made for binging oh yeah uh because uh it's so complex that when you watch week to week, you forget about certain things that were going on early on in the season. The little seeds that they plant and everything, you forget about those. And if you watch it straight through and everything, it's like, oh, okay, all this makes yeah. sense now. Even the season two, which I loved, I was like, oh, yeah, well, okay. The, I think I used to sell this show to people by telling them the first season takes a while to get into. And I don't know that that's right. I just think it took me a while to get into because there's so many goddamn characters, mm. so many cops and drug dealers and criminals all the way from the hoods and drug dealers and druggies. And and I couldn't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And I method man's in this okay i forgot about that <laughs> that kind of thing uh mm-hmm. i don't know if method man is in it god damn it's method man i'm almost positive <laughs> anyway my point is there are so many characters that it's easier when you're binging to wrap your head around all those characters and how they play off of each other than it is when you're watching week to week and you're like which guy is that again yeah which guy is that again yeah. who did, who got shot last week <laughs> so, and, and and a lot like game of thrones would introduce characters who were awesome and then they would just get killed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's one of those shows that it's very much like game of thrones where you're like well now they're going to focus on this guy he's new i don't like him as much i want to focus on this other guy but that their new characters are all awesome hmm. so all right uh, some others worth mentioning another happy day i've never seen that movie Mm-mm. i saw avalon when i was a kid i don't know why but i did it's a really <laughs> dense drama or like a uh, period drama John goodman Never mind. That's always. That's always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not there, the same. There movie. are some name actors in Avalon, but I just can't remember them mm. right now. Gods and Generals, which is the sequel to Gettysburg. Mm. They're both four hours long yeah. movies. <laughs> um, I saw. I don't think I saw Gettysburg, but I did see Gods and Generals. Man, I was a big, big Civil War buff and Revolutionary War buff. I saw them both, but they're they're hard to get through, mm. even for a guy like me who leads that shit up. It's just like they they had no edit. No yeah. Ed, no edit button. There's no reason either one of those things needs to be four hours long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to watch the because Gods and Generals was so long. I think I had to watch it in pieces. I had to watch. I watched the first half of it, and then I had the other half of it, and I had to then I spliced it together. After that, uh, there was a movie that came out the same night. I think it was um, Old School came out the same day. Oh wow. Uh, as that, and I chose to watch Gods and Generals. Instead, instead of old school, you, made the, you chose poorly. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, he said, she said. That's the Kevin Bacon movie. Yeah, right? Kevin Bacon. I don't think I ever saw that. I just remember the the trailers running constantly uh, when I was watching. I don't know network TV or something mm-hmm. like that. He said, she said. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Bacon. Is it Ali Sheedy? Ali Sheedy. She's having a baby. Uh, it's Elizabeth Perkins. Elizabeth yeah, Perkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Perkins had a had a second there, like in eighty seven, eighty eight you know with big and this mm-hmm. and like and the flintstones uh, yeah yeah definitely 
Was she uh, Betty in the Flintstones? She was She's Wilma. Wilma. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Rosie O'Donnell was Betty. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and John Goodman is definitely in that. Movie. Yes. Yeah. And Rick Moranis, too. Rick right? Moranis. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the why, movie that that's ended his dead career. Dead into Rick Moranis' <laughs> career. That was his welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I'm oh, done with this Yeah. Uh, Homicide, the movie, which you had discussed yes, yes. before. Um, Ladder 49. Never saw this. This is a, a firefighter movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, was it Travolta? Yeah, Travolta. Travolta, yeah. yeah. I saw it. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. I remember Backdraft pretty well. Yep. That should tell you something. <laughs> and then there's Shadow Conspiracy, which I did not see. So. That was a Charlie Sheen, Donald Sutherland joint. Oh, ah. my God. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to do we want to we skip news? And we just do rants, recommends and okay. questions. Yeah. Why don't you do your rant? But do the one about the corporations. Okay. Uh Rather than the friends being 35 minutes long thing, <laughs> since I think we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. We have. Um, and, and you I, want to renew your objection and strenuously object. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, but I think that is a better one because I was actually considering that myself with, uh, the, uh, I, we could almost combine news here with Comcast, uh, was it $65 million? A bid on Fox or sixty-five I just, billion. I just know that it's thirty-five dollars a share, which is insane. Yeah, well, yeah. And now AT and T is buying Time Warner. Yeah, and and hasn't that already gone through? I well, think it did just a couple of days ago. Yeah, well, I think it was just approved. Hmm. Um, but I think the I dotting and T crossing. But this, this, I don't want to choose a side between disney and comcast over who i think should get to buy fox (laughs) exactly because in a perfect world fox should be making their own movies and just continue without being sucked up what's the what's the orwell book where all the corporations become one is it it 84 1984 1984, i haven't read it in ages but this is i feel like this is where we're headed Mm. and we're all on twitter and we're making jokes yeah yeah and we're making jokes either about the president or about the president's enemies whichever side you're on Mm -hmm. meanwhile Everyone with money is benefiting, and we are all getting fucked. Mm-hmm. Net neutrality, debt, because the rich guys want more money. The Wall Street thing happened, what was that, eight years ago? What came out of that? Not dick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The credit card reporting agency has revealed all of your data, if you're an American, to basically the whole world. What was the, with the uh, uh, Equifax? Yeah, 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 Equifax. Who's getting in trouble for that? But they're sorry. Yeah, they are sorry. In fact, Wells Fargo, who lost everybody's money, is also sorry. And they were founded <laughs> they were founded in eighteen fifty eight, refounded That's in right. twenty eighteen. Facebook is sorry. Facebook is sorry. Yeah. Facebook there was, there was a run of ads on I was watching uh, the NBA finals or something like that. But it was like three tech companies in a row yeah. coming on like Uber and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Like Wells Fargo that like, we're sorry. It's like uh <laughs> it's like the South Park where the uh there's the massive Exxon oil spill or it was the one remember it was the the, I guess it was the rig that blew up in the ocean or the whatever. Deep water horizon? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and uh, so they had a South Park with the whoever the CEO of Exxon was, and like ev- like there was always you know how South Park does. Once they get something going, they run it right into the ground. Like have like three different cuts <laughs> into this thing. So there's three different uh commercials they throw in there where the CEO of Exxon is like, we just want to sh- tell you. How deeply sorry we are. You know, cut to him on a beach. We're sorry. And then he's like, then he's like naked in a bath or whatever. So very sorry. <laughs> I think that I, I'm, I'm, we're, we're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. At least in America. I think it's probably a worldwide phenomenon that those in power 
are using us, right? Like, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too out here. You don't want to get Jaden Smith level. I don't. <laughs> but the Democrats and Republicans both benefit as long as there is never a third party. Mm-hmm. Even if they lose an election or lose control of the Senate, they're going to get it back eventually because there's only two choices. And they're all getting paid left and right by one company or another, right? So maybe Trump's taking money from the NRA, and so Barack Obama never did. You don't think Barack Obama took money from somebody? It's interesting, too, though, what you're saying about the two parties and everything. Um, I think I think it's been shown that we just can't have a third party. Well, like, part of the reason, though, is that the media refuses to allow us to have a third party, and... Because the two parties in power refuse to let the third party participate in all the debates and get all the same kind of funding and whatnot. So they're basically cutting it off at the pass every time somebody tries to do a third that's, party. That's true, uh, but I, I, I'm going to refer to a CGP Grey video that I Uh-oh. saw where they talked about, where he talked about how uh, even if you were to get a thriving third party, it's tough to, um, t- it, it, it's still tough to, end up without having two parties because we're kind of black and white minded yeah and then see that's that's the problem right like yeah if you hate trump eventually he's going to be out of office Mm. eventually another democrat will win it'll probably be a celebrity i don't i think the day the days of politicians running for office exclusively are done we're going to get an oprah or a dwayne johnson or somebody (laughs) justin bieber somebody tom hanks Mm -hmm. uh clooney clooney wouldn't surprise me if he tried it at some point um it's just a, it's just a pendulum swinging back and forth and people who are legitimately poor are just getting poor mm-hmm. we're all just getting stepped on and we're and we're the ones who are doing their work for them by fueling the fire by going on twitter and yelling at each other and what's changing Nothing. They're just they're all gobbling each other up. They own everything. Well, and it's going to be that <laughs> idiocracy thing where you're going to be able to go to a Costco and there's like all the restaurants are there <laughs> and you can get a hand job there. Well, there's, and- <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy at Starbucks that I go to. I go to the same Starbucks every day. And there's a guy there who who's on a personal crusade to get me to sign up for the Starbucks app. Part because I feel like he sees me throwing money away if I'm going in there every day and buying an iced tea for myself and one for my wife. And he's like, You could have every 10th drink is free if you have the app and the stars and the whatnot. Well, I'm like, I'm not giving any more people my information. He's like, You don't think your phone company already has your information? And I was like, That's my point. They do. I'm not giving it to any new companies between Comcast, Verizon, T Mobile, and my health insurance company and Google. Everything about me is knowable. Yep. It's just a, it's just a matter of time until the bad guys get their hands on it, right? <laughs> and and is that information worth anything to anyone, right? Mm. I have fairly harmless secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any I don't have the kind of secrets that I think Comcast is going to be like, "Oh god, that Jeremy guy from Cinema Sins, he googled this." I know. Get this to CNN now. But I mean, I don't know. I just feel like we, we're shouting into the void because we're not even paying attention to the problem. And that the 1% it's just getting one percent here. I'm sorry. Um, that's not really even a very good rant. You probably want to cut all of that. I just <laughs> last night when I saw that news about AT and T, and then the Comcast bid came through for Fox. I'm just like, this is where the real shit is going down. Does it really matter who buys Fox? 
Well, no, at the it, from my perspective, the problem is that we're just watering down. We're, we're putting all of the creative stuff in the hands of it one It would be company. certainly mm. better if it wasn't Comcast and Disney or some company that already makes movies doing it. Right. Uh we're already seeing what happens when Disney gets Marvel and it gets Star Wars and it's like every week it seems like there's a new one of those movies coming out. Uh with Comcast they already own Universal. Mm. So you're going to have Universal and Fox together. I mean it's just uh, we need to have a different voice in here. And they own NBC. Yeah, they own NBC. I just um, I mean when you, if you really boil it down you've seen those images online they change cuz everybody's always buying everything but everything's owned ultimately by like three companies in the world. Yeah. And I just I, maybe I'm just getting old and I'm you know old man yells at a cloud <laughs> right? <laughs> I just I'm, I just I feel like we're, we're arguing about all the wrong shit and yeah. the underlying problems are just getting worse while we do it. So anyway there's my rant. That's I a agree. good rant. I agree it is good it is a good rant. It's uh it's not entirely movie related but i like it better than talking about friends for 35 minutes um but like uh that's but what that's it, a they're doing that everywhere now I it's know. not just friends I know. all half hour sitcoms that are run on reruns are now 35 minutes and they're just squeezing extra well, commercials and in. they speed them up too they speed up the show it really annoys by like me. a yep. fraction of a yep. second that's but the three you're, topics you're absolutely right though i mean that's what i'm saying and like it and i'm about to rant about something that you know is pales in comparison <laughs> you know why why should i care about this but i do i don't know why every <sighs> time i go into a movie theater and i see the trailer for sorry to bother you oh i really like this trailer that's a very good trailer yeah you don't like this no i actually have a very unique perspective on this trailer okay uh the first time i saw it didn't get it didn't laugh much mm -hmm. second time i saw it at home on my computer with the subtitles turned on on youtube loved it oh uh, okay i'm half deaf i think i just didn't catch some of what was going on yeah because the only joke that stood out to me is that one that you talked about that where he does his white voice or whatever yeah 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 um and and that was the only one that played to the audience i was with as well but then when i got home and i watched the whole thing i was like no this whole fucking thing looks absurd yeah like, mm -hmm. i i'm i'm on board for this it looks so different and funny and and everything but every time i'm in a theater when this trailer comes on People laugh at the one time where you hear his white voice, and then the rest of it, it seems like bewilderment. And this, this in some way ties to what you're talking about, right? <laughs> yes. Because yes, people aren't open-minded. Yeah. And they see something weird and like just a little bit off, <laughs> and it's like, no, I don't want that in my life. I don't want. To, I don't want any of this new stuff in my life. Yeah. Um. And uh. And. I feel like that trailer is fun and funny all the way through, but like just listening to the dead silence just kills me inside. Yeah. Because people are, people want, people want those easy jokes that we've heard a hundred million times, right? Yeah. I think. The ones that people get pissed at us for saying happen in every movie yeah. a million times. Uh, you know, this is not doing that. And finally we've got something different. Now, who knows? It may suck. That movie may suck, for all I know. But I'm going to be there. Now, when yeah. does it come out? I think it's in the next couple of weeks, maybe and July. Who's the filmmaker? Um, the actor's the guy from Atlanta, right? Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield is in it, and uh, Tessa Thompson, and uh, of course Tessa Thompson's in everything. She's, <laughs> um, she is. Um, How did that happen? I don't know, but I'm I'm glad that they've made that choice. Yeah, I don't <laughs> disagree with the choice, but she went from nowhere to everywhere like <laughs> yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So Boots Riley wrote and directed it. 
I feel like it's like a up and comer or like a first time director. Yeah, or, he's done a lot of soundtracks and he's done a lot of uh, like scores, and like stuff. somebody who might have a unique voice. <laughs> yeah, a, a exactly. Unique approach to filmmaking. Yeah. Um, the other thing about that trailer is that they muddied it up by putting all the the reviews on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is distracting. And actually, when I, we were watching the trailer before Deadpool with uh, Leonard and Jesse Moulton, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he looked over and he was like, you know, people complain about criticism, but then you put all that stuff up there during the trailer to validate the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, does that really make me want to see it anymore? I guess it's like, you probably haven't heard of this, so other people like it, so you're fine. Well, that's what they're doing, right? Because I think their fear is that, because this was a festival, darling, and I'm guessing some studio swooped in, bought it, and now they're going to roll it out for distribution, and they maybe don't have the faith in it they should. Yeah. Maybe they just know America's stupid. And so when you get that kind of shit on a trailer, especially a theatrical trailer, like television commercials I'm used to right. seeing, like mm-hmm. critic quips and whatnot or Rotten Tomatoes scores, but when you get it in the theatrical trailer, you know they're concerned about drawing in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just a hard film to boil down to a two-minute trailer. There's even a there's even a scene in there that I don't even quite know what's going on. There's several scenes like that in the trailer, but Army Hammer gives him a note that says, "I'm giving you a hundred million dollars," which I'm assuming is like an indecent proposal mm. type of thing. And he's like, "Cash!" And he's like, "You know, Army Hammer, cash!" And it always makes me laugh to see that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I feel like the same sort of deal is going on with this movie Hereditary, by the way. And hmm. if we get to that, uh, I'll talk about that as well. But uh, uh, there's just an uh, there's just an opposition to anything new or different or change or anything like that. And I encounter this daily. Like, if if you say, "Hey, let's try this for one fucking time," people go. Oh, that's just not going to work. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know it's not going to work? Why, could we try it once and then say, oh, yeah, bad idea afterwards? Mm-hmm. Man, you're basically describing my sex life right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we try do at you, least once? You always use the knuckle. You use the knuckle, right? <laughs> he goes with the swirl. It's so obvious. That's right. Goes with the swirl. That was a counterclockwise swirl. <laughs> I got a short and sweet rant about Twitter accounts and brands, and it's fucking annoying because IHOP had this whole rebranding thing stunt. Dumbest thing ever. Yeah, it is dumb. It's IHOB because they wanted to focus on burgers, so they put the the B at the end. Do whatever you want to, IHOP. It's stupid, but do whatever you want to. And then, now it's not just people ridiculing you. It's fucking brands ridiculing you. So Wendy's gets on there. And they say something quippy about how, well, I guess we're not real worried about them taking over burgers when pancakes are too hard. Yeah, the whole internet acted like that was the burniest burn. Fuck you, Wendy's. I actually have almost tweeted this a bunch in the last two weeks, so I'm glad this is your topic. Because once a brand gets too good at Twitter, I start trusting it less. Yeah. Like, I am personally, I don't speak for everybody, I'm less likely to go to IHOP or Wendy's now after all. (laughs) Because you're both annoying. (laughs) I mean, Burger King's getting on there and, like, fucking Moon Pies. Basically every, yeah, Moon Pies. Moon Pies! Like, Netflix. and Like, okay, yeah. I know you're trying to appeal to like a like a younger hipper audience and you got some you know 22 year old on your Twitter account that's that's running shit and you're you're poning brands and stuff like that. 
I don't fucking give a shit. And I certainly don't think it deserves the amount of attention that it gets on Twitter. And like, oh, he just evis- Wendy's eviscerated IHOP. When that is something that you think about for more than t- two seconds, there's something fucked up about your mm-hmm. life. And this is all related to Jeremy's rant. Well, I, yeah, so. I, 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 every day I look at the trending topics on Twitter and mm-hmm. I think, what have we become? Yeah. Because it's always one or two important topics and then a bunch of shit like Wendy's own and IHOP on Twitter. <laughs> it's good birth control, isn't it? I guess. I mean, you know, on the one hand, I want to scold everybody for that. But on the other hand, I do pl- plenty of frivolous things throughout the day. I'm not I'm not devoting 24 hours of every day to fighting injustice. Right. And so I can't expect everybody else to do that, right? I make stupid joke videos on YouTube for fun, right? <laughs> so, I mean, have your fun, but it, it can be frustrating when we we give it this much weight. Like, yeah. I almost tweeted yesterday because the rap or deadline tweeted out, Jim Carrey's latest painting is Trump and Kim Jong-un, and I almost tweeted at them saying, do we have to have an article every time Jim Carrey paints a fucking painting now? It seems like we do. Why? <laughs> I know. Because you want fucking clicks. That's why there's an article every time for every movie that comes out now. You can find an article. Does this movie have an end credit scene? Does this movie have an end credit scene? (laughs) What time is the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Every year, every year, people write articles. I've done this when I was a writer for hire. You write an article about the Super Bowl because you know people are searching for the Super Bowl. Ah. And you'll have websites that have no interest in sports telling you what time the Super Bowl is on, like good housekeeping, because (laughs) they want your fucking click. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're turning around and selling that to an advertiser who's not paying enough attention to what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm angry today. <laughs> what are we doing now? Recommend? recommend. Yeah, let's recommend. Since we're in such a good mood, let's recommend some movies. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. I've got a good one. I've got a Go good, like, evergreen classic thing that also was a hole in my resume uh, until uh, last night, actually. It's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, good one. 1969, Robert Redford, Paul Newman. Is this George Roy Hill who directed this? Yes. Yeah. This movie is freaking amazing, mm-hmm. and it stands as amazing. Now, you know how when you watch 2001 now, it was 1968, it still seems as glorious and innovative and everything uh, as it was then. Now, obviously, this is not on that level, but it is... An absolute masterpiece. What are we talking about? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, yeah, Kid. that's fantastic. Um, if you if you want to know what sex symbols were a generation ago, or a generation or two ago, it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Robert Redford when he was fairly young. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is younger than The Sting, actually. That, yeah. that was 73. Same, same crew. Yeah, exactly. And Newman is just so goddamn charismatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he never he his whole thing is that he never fires a shot. He's never he's never killed anybody, mm-hmm. uh, but he can talk his way out of situations. And he's so charismatic. And Robert Redford is so fucking cool. And the scenery in Wyoming is right up your alley, Jeremy. Yeah. And like it's it's just gorgeous. And I would highly recommend it. I know it's an old classic and people don't like watching old classic movies and all that stuff, but it is totally worth your time. It's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Good call. Uh, I don't really have a full recommend. My recommend comes with a warning. Okay. Uh, my wife and I, I've told you this before, we're into this thing now where we try and find a new stand-up comedy special on Netflix and watch it together after we make a meal, kind of like an in-home date kind of a thing. Nice. Uh, and it, those are perfect because most stand-up comedy specials are an hour long, so it's not as big a commitment as like a, a movie. Uh, and stand-up comedy is the kind of thing where you can be 
pretty average at it and still get a laugh out of mm-hmm. me. Uh, you have to be pretty bad for me to have a bad time. <clears throat> so we watched the new special from uh, Tig Nataro. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think right. that's right. <clears throat> have you guys seen this, either one of you? I haven't. I haven't seen this one. I've seen her before, and she's hilarious. She is, and she is actually, the, the more you research her, the more amazed you'll be that she can even be funny. Yeah. Because <clears throat> she's been dealt some of the shittiest hands in life. Uh, the new special is called Happy to Be Here. Uh, and it's for 40 minutes. It's great. Uh, my wife and I are already quoting this on the regular and working some of her lines into <laughs> our life. Um, and she's just got a very fun delivery. Um, kind of almost, almost. I'm accidentally funny. Sorry. Um, kind of a <laughs> casual delivery. Uh, but then at the end of this special, the reason I have to give you a warning is that the end of this special, she makes a joke where she's like, ladies and gentlemen, the Indigo Girls. And she backs off stage and the crowd erupts and nobody comes out. And she walks back up on stage. She's like, you guys actually fell for that. (laughs) Um, And she rambles. She drags this out for 20 minutes Mm. doing this over and over the same joke. No, no, of of course I couldn't get the ladies and gentlemen, the Indigo Girls and backs off stage. Nobody comes out. And then eventually they do come out (laughs) and play a song. (laughs) And by that point, you've burned all my goodwill like yeah. i turned to my wife very early on in this thing and i was like because she made a joke earlier about ellen degeneres and being at ellen's birthday party or something of course ellen's a producer of this show they're good friends but uh i turned to my wife after the second indigo girls false announcement and said they're either coming out for real or ellen degeneres is coming out for real and mm-hmm. this is a bait and switch but there's no way no one's coming out because mm-hmm. she's already just, just doing it twice she's already devoted and then she just kept going and going and it turns out she saw the Indigo Girls in concert in the same building she's recording this comedy special. This is a big deal for her. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And maybe you indulge yourself a little bit announcing your idols. I don't know. I don't know. But to just rev- average viewer guy out there. It sounds a lot like uh, what happens in Deadpool, too. Like a, like it, a, it a premise dragged out. Well, and it, it kind of turns her from a stand-up comic into Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And, and when you're doing that, you're, the, you're enjoying the joke more than anyone else is. And and so it kind of left a bad taste in my mm. mouth. And I like the Indigo Girls. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to sit through twenty minutes of of false starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just give it to me or don't. It There's, almost made me wonder if she me. ran there, out of material. There are Maybe. some jokes that get better if you just keep doing it for a really long time. But though that's very rarely the kind that work that way. Uh, I remember the Simpsons writers talking about this where like there's a scene where Homer's falling downstairs or whatever and it's <laughs> like it's funny at first and then like it goes on too long and it's not funny but then it's just long enough where it's funny again <laughs> nah. as it keeps going and I remember a space ghost coast to coast where he's like chasing after like a roach or something for the entire episode and you're like keep wondering if the point is going to happen and it never seems to and then uh there's a mr show where uh there's a guy who has scaled everest and he's coming home to tell everybody about how he scaled everest but he keeps every time he gets to the big part of the story he keeps running into this priceless collection of like I don't know, figurines or something. And sm- like, they all fall to the ground and everything. And like, they get it back up and it's like, okay, as I was saying, and like, he just, he goes to it and he keeps smashing into it over and over. And there's a point where he just, he just sighs a little bit and then falls into the thing out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, there's some that work that way, but I think when you're, when you keep doing the, like, 
this is going to come, this is going to happen. And then you just keep pulling the rug out. That's where, where it really just gets, yeah, it's not funny anymore. Yeah. It's like Lucy with the football. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so there's my, there's my record warn because the first 40 minutes is delightful. Cool. Um, I have basically two record warns. I'll go with, I'll go with my first one here. Um, I saw a movie on movie called, uh, the La- last year at Marion Bab. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie came out in 1961, a uh, French filmmaker by the name of, I'm going to mess this up probably, but it's Alain René, I believe is it. R-E-S-N-A-I-S, I believe. And it could, there could be one of those weird French resne or whatever, but fuck it. I think it's René. Um, apparently this is a movie that has, has both delighted and befuddled critics over the years. So you have, some critics who put this in their all-time worst categories, and you have others who consider it one of the all-time best movies. Uh, it is notable in, I guess, not really this day and age, but it is notable for s- somewhat inspiring uh, The Shining. Interesting. Uh, the way the things, the way it's shot and everything like that. Isn't there, is there a hedge maze in this? No, they are on a big, huge, like, uh, palace of okay, some sort. okay. Um, the movie is, I'm going to say is somewhat frustrating because there isn't a, there isn't a narrative here that you're going to hold on to. This is a guy who, who meets a woman who says we met last year and they go through the story. And every time they try to get to that one point where you're like, Oh, what happened? It just kind of goes back and like they'll, the, the, some conversations will go, from one room to one completely different part of the room and hmm. it's like he's like do you remember and she'll say i i don't remember or whatever and he's like surely you do and then he'll she's like i remember you coming by and i didn't want to see you and then he's like no no we were going to escape together and it's this type of conversation huh. all the way through now some of you aren't going to have patience for this shit but i love movies like this just because it's just sort of uh it's it's an interesting way to to play with memory Hmm. and and this you never know what the deal is did she did the woman get killed by her husband did did the guy who's talking to her do something to her that she doesn't want to remember it's all a lot of things like you know it it plays with memory it plays with uh what we want to remember or repress memories or whatever like that uh and it just and it goes like this a lot i mean the whole movie is like this he's just going from room to room to room to outside to you know we were we were out here we were talking we did this it's all about this guy trying to get her to remember hmm. and uh and she's always either she remembers some part of it or she doesn't remember at all and it just goes back and forth like this i'm gonna check this out you should watch it if you're interested in like just really different kind of movies that's one that you should you should take a look at mm. um uh it like i said if you're looking for a satisfying story of some sort and a great satisfying conclusion you're not going to get that mm. and it's experimental but it's also well shot beautifully shot um and uh yeah it's just it's just a movie that i would recommend if you were into something different cool um okay i started off a movie really wanting to recommend it and then took a hard turn into Warren. Okay. Uh, it's available on Amazon Instant. Um, it's called Beatrice at Dinner. <clears throat> Salma Hayek, John Lithgow. Oh, I remember this. Have you seen I've it? I've never seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Salma Hayek, John Lithgow, Connie Britton, and some other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, one of the Duplass brothers, Jay Duplass, mm. is in this. 
And I like this type of setup. Very insular. It's a, a, a dinner party where there's going to be a lot of different conversations and a lot of different perspectives. Sama Hayek is like this uh, holistic healer and from a low income area in Los Angeles. And Connie Britton and her husband are these highfalutin like politician businessmen people uh, who have a lot of means. And she comes up to give a treatment to Connie Britton and she ends up staying for dinner. Uh, where all these, you know, really rich people are coming in. And uh, John Lithgow comes in and plays like almost like a Bill O'Reilly, Donald Trump type of gregarious businessman swinging dick. I don't give a shit. Of course, he mistakes Sama Hayek for the help. Mm -hmm. Um, Insults are heritage. Uh, There's there's a portion where he's like, so where are you from? She's like, well, I'm from Los Feliz or from Los Angeles or something like that. And he's like, where are you really from? Hmm which mimics actually something that that happened, you know, on the campaign trail um, back a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So here's where the movie goes wrong for me. <clears throat> I love this type of thing. I, I love, you know, tense dinner conversations. I love open dialogue, like my dinner with Andre and stuff like that. And so I was fully on board. I wanted to to get behind this, but it's so fucking ham handed mm-hmm. with how it presents arguments for and against. There's zero nuance. Lithgow is a complete bastard. There's no redeeming quality to him whatsoever. Salma Hayek, her her methodology, her her worldview is correct, and she's got a direct opposition to this guy, and everybody is on one side or the other hmm. of, of this. And it's it's only like maybe 90 minutes or something like that, but it feels almost exhausting at the mm-hmm. end of it. Uh, so even though I was, uh, you know, great premise, Tremendous actors. Uh, I would not recommend you waste your time. On this is this. written by Mike White, and it, and it was directed by Miguel Arteta. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty good uh, uh, writer director. I know, here. I know, and and you could see something good in this. You could see like a, a real like dialogue, a real like uh, interesting movie in here that has big ideas, but it just it becomes caricatures, mm-hmm. and I can't get behind that. Hmm. You get it. You get it. You get it rub off the edges of it uh, a little bit or or sharpen the edges of it mm-hmm. uh, to really get me through the whole thing. I saw a pretty interesting take from Rob Schneider and his take on Donald Trump or Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump. Did uh-huh. we talk about this on the I podcast? Don't think so. He gave an interview where he basically talked about not being a fan of uh, Baldwin's version of Trump because it's so obvious in his portrayal that he has contempt for Trump mm-hmm. and comedy is better when it's more nuanced and there is some empathy, however you get there, for the person you're making fun of, I think that kind of plays into what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a difference between Will Ferrell's uh, George W. Bush, who actually you could tell believes what he's saying yeah. in the character, yeah. versus you know Baldwin, who you can see is just going through the motions. I I find myself agreeing with Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think there are deeper, there may be some murkiness to his motivations, oh. but just from a comedy standpoint, I felt like he was putting into words what I had felt already, that I didn't, I, I've never found Baldwin's Trump funny. I've never found that funny. Mm. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, my Warren I'm, is a pretty decent movie. Um <clears throat> American Made with Tom Cruise. You ever notice, by the way, we keep 
recommending our warnings. Yeah. Like we we kind of like these bad movies for some what the not bad movies, but we 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 see the beauty in some of these movies we're warning against. Yes. Yeah. In this case, what makes me want to warn against this movie and what made me not enjoy this movie is there's nothing done in this film that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Um. This is Doug Lyman, Tom Cruise running guns. And I think I said in my email to you guys, this is Blow meets Lord of War, and there's no reason to watch this movie. Mm, all right. There's no reason to make this movie. I kept waiting for some unique wrinkle. Even that one with uh, Jonah Hill about gun running. Oh, War Dogs. Co- covered mm-hmm. a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Lord of War, War Dogs. Why yeah. do we have so many movies about running guns? I don't know. Anyway, Tom Cruise has a plane, flies down, gets some shit, flies back. Nothing really matters. You know he's never in any jeopardy. He's telling you the whole story. Yeah. It's like it's like the night and day of gun running movies. It's mm-hmm. completely harmless. He's perfect. He's superhero Jesus and the humor is okay. It's it's okay. It's perfectly okay. I we I saw probably no joke like 20 trailers uh for this this movie on other movies. Mhm. Starting beginning of last year. It was year. on everything. Uh, and I, I think I said the same thing every time, just from the trailer. That's not a real good thing to do. But I was like, what ground is, is this covering? Yeah. I've seen this movie. I don't know this, why. I don't, I don't really need this movie at all. I, I want to know what drew the... Because we were just talking about Tom Cruise, and he's got all the money in the world, and maybe he needs motivation personally to make a movie. There's none of that in here. Isn't it R-rated? Isn't it like a little bit harder than... Uh, than his other movies, its rating was forgettable. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Probably, yeah. yeah. There's probably some fucks in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it know. It is R-rated. It's just, it's. I couldn't see anything in there that would have drawn these two really talented people. It's almost, it's almost like an Adam Sandler movie where they just wanted to hang out for a bit on location somewhere as buddies. And, and it's and, Donald Gleason too, right? Yeah, is Donald Gleason's in it, and yeah, you know, again, one of the more forgettable Donald Gleason. He's kind of basically playing Hux here. Oh yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, don't waste your time. Just go. I'm walk. actually glad you said that because I saw that on demand on HBO, and I was thinking, uh, maybe I'll pull the trigger on that. But I was like, no, there's there's nothing in there for there's me. Not, there's nothing. It's bringing nothing new to the table. Yeah. So, um, my my recommend uh, now I, I have a it says wreck a warn. I'm recommending this movie, but the reason why I put warn on there is that if you watch Hereditary, and you expect there this to be like oh this is the uh like a a pop conjuring type horror movie that i'm recommending here you do not want to go to this but if you want to go in with an open mind then i think you will like this problem is with hereditary is even i by the end of this movie wondered do i like that ending Hmm. i don't know if i like that ending Hmm. and um and it and it, I know it befuddled a whole bunch of people that I watched it with because uh, it's one of those type of endings where, like, you get up from your seat and everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing this tonight, actually, so I'm I'm looking forward. By the to way, it. that's exactly what happened in my row at Infinity War. Not to bring up an old debate, but when Infinity War ended, the daughter of my friend that I took to the movie, she was like, "What? <laughs> it's over?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this movie we were when we were talking about Blair Witch Project and everything obviously this movie is not anything like the Blair Witch Project but uh i think with what it sets up just everything about this from the moment it starts you just get an uneasy feeling about. Mm. and it there's a building between this family there's a something building up between this family that you just know 
it's not going to end well. And, uh, there are, there is, there are two moments in this movie that, uh, Tony Collette at a dinner table talking to her son that you will almost just not because of fear or anything, but just because of the sheer dramatic tension, you will want to jump out of your seat. Huh. And the, another scene later on with her son too, is another one. That's just, you, the way the horror is in this movie it is, it is set up to sort of give you nightmares, I believe. Hmm. So that is my recommend out of this. <laughs> I can't talk about the movie too much because you do want to see this and discover things for yourself. There was one thing that happened in this movie and I'm not going to get into it or, or anything, but I kind of expected it to happen mm. uh, because it had not been spoiled, but just, it was one of those type of things, the way they described it. I was like, Oh, this is, this is what's happening. Um, this is a 24, right? A 24 who did, uh, another movie that I think befuddled a lot of people last year. Another horror movie last year was, uh, we come at night. I believe it comes at night. It comes at night. I did not I, like that movie. I haven't at all. seen it. Um, uh, I'd be interested to, after seeing hereditary to compare them because yeah. that got so much love, uh, critical love. It comes at night. And I, I just did not, yeah, I could not get on board with that movie. Hereditary is running that, uh, the witch type of thing where critics have a 90% or so on it and audiences are trashing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, cinema score was D plus D plus D plus for this, which was worse than the wish, the witch, hmm. which had a C minus, I believe. Um, this is like sort of an anti cinema sins horror movie because a lot of the different things that happen in this where you're like, what the fuck <laughs> have explanations. Ah. And when I mean anti-cinema sins, I mean pro-cinema sins because they actually have reasons for everything that happens. Um, and it's one of those type of things where, uh, you know, oh, okay. It, so all the reasons are building up to this. Now, whether you like this movie or not depends on whether you like the ending. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm sort of, uh, kind of on the fence about it because I think I have to watch it a few more times before I finally give it like a letter grade of some sort. I think as far as everything leading up to it, a plus. Oh, I can, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but if you're just going in and you're hoping to see the conjuring, yeah, <laughs> you, you're not going to see the movie that you want to see. All right. So Good there you stuff. go. All right. Uh, I think you sold that well. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, hope I have actually, actually in your war. I have actually seen in multiple places people compare Hereditary to two specific movies, and I believe that comparison spoiled the movie for me. Oh, yeah. And I think that may be part of what you're referencing, that thing that you knew was coming. Mm -hmm. Might have been how someone described the film to you. I mm -hmm. think it's tapping into the same thing. Yeah, and even, quite honestly, even me saying that, I don't really want to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. but the way it was described in the in the review i knew to look for it right and and i knew immediately what we're what we were going for but um anyway yes i recommend this movie even though it's in my warnings the reason why it's in my warnings is if you like pop horror yeah you're, going, yeah. you're, you're not gonna like this if you like movies that sort of like afterwards you're like oh shit uh <laughs> I, I don't know what I feel about that. Mm. Then go watch this yes, shit. Yes, I do like those. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, once again, no time for questions. That's all right. We'll get them. We'll get them next time. Uh, I mean, I don't know when we'll get to questions again. Actually, we may have to have another mailbag. Episode. You're gonna have an interesting episode next week. Um, but uh, all right. So no, no time for questions today. Again, of course, unfortunately. But anyway, we'll get to those at some point for sure. That'll do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast, presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. Keep going to Twitter. Keep going to SoundCloud. You know, all these things that we railed against today. <laughs> um, and tell us what you thought about this episode. Um, but that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I, uh, during a baseball, like a spring practice or whatever, we were doing a lot of those and man, it was, had been a, it had been the entire summer since I had done any real exercise. I went and threw up in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Anytime you were late at football practice, we had this giant tire. Mm-hmm. You had to strap in on a harness with the giant tire and run around the entire parking lot. And at Lipscomb, the the football field over there by off of Caldwell, mm-hmm. you have to run around the entire parking lot with that fucking thing Ugh. strapped to your back. And that was uh, oh, that's man. when we were doing two a day. I don't know if you can even do those now. No, I don't think you can. But we were doing two a days um, right at the beginning of of summer practice. So it was like 110 degrees outside. And I'm fucking doing this. I was never late. It was like literally two minutes or something like that. I'm telling you, man. I, Coach Mack. I played baseball all the way up until high school when they had to run. Yeah. I switched over to golf. <laughs> I got to college and I thought about playing baseball. Nope. Mm-hmm. Got to run. Yeah. They call it conditioning. But really, it's just you're basically playing baseball and cross country. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a two much. sport. And I, don't, I never understood that because I'm really only running the 90 feet every now and then yeah it's not a it's a sedentary <laughs> sport pretty much i mean i run a little bit in the field but it's not it's not even like basketball where you're like running all the time and mm-hmm. you actually do need good conditioning mm-hmm. it's just it's baseball god especially when i'm playing outfield i might as well be studying <laughs> did you ever have to do mental toughness drills Ooh, I, they, they might have called it something different what is it um so there were i think there were it's three where you stick a cucumber in your head that's right <laughs> That's where they, they, That's they touch your puppy. You probably can't. You probably can't. You probably can't get away with that nowadays. High schools are high schools are just pussies. <laughs> My yeah, uncle used to play something called mental toughness drills with me. Oh. But there were three. I think the two that I remember is one. You get up against a wall and you crowd and you and you sit down yeah. without a chair. Yeah. And you sit there Cheers. while the yeah. while the coach walks back and forth and everything. And of course, some people can do it and everything. I never could. I was never mentally tough. Um, <laughs> well, it's also like all on your your thighs too. So yeah. you start like shaking and all that. Yeah. that sounds a little physical too. Well, yeah, I would sit there. You know, yeah, you're just you're basically just your your legs are just imagine me without a chair, and you're just sitting there like this, yeah. and and it's like. And uh, and I think he did this on purpose. He paced back and forth so that right. some of you could kind of like, oh god, I gotta yeah. get up for a second, and yeah. then you get right back down in position when he turned around. Uh, and then there was another one where you uh, you um, you lied down on the floor and you would lift your legs up about six inches, mm-hmm. and you would keep them there for a long time. So they were almost always stuff where you just didn't have support where you normally did, and you would just keep 
your wherever whatever it is up or you know whatever and mm-hmm. then that would be your mental toughness they did this kind of thing as a punishment in my school with books mm-hmm. you had to stand in a jesus christ pose with oh, your palms up that. and they put books on your hands and you had to stay level and if you like dropped like the punishment got even worse jesus we were kind of tortured as kids did you ever get paddled yes in school yes i wasn't i mean i wasn't a bad kid <laughs> i was a pretty good kid yeah but you got paddled again. i had my moments in public or was it like out in the hall it was no it was in the office oh okay they would do like public paddlings at my school see that's that's like it, it come to the front of the room that's like biblical yeah right yeah. like shame shame exactly. <laughs> i don't remember getting paddled i do remember it being threatened yeah and i think people were paddled um I do. Re- I remember this one. I guess some g- couple of kids were way more advanced than I were was because all three of us got in trouble for something. We all were sent to some closet of some sort or whatever, <laughs> so that the teacher could admonish us for whatever we did. And I was upset. I was like, "Oh my god, my dad's going to find out about this. This is going to be horrible, and you know he's going to kill me and all that, whatever." And uh, and I and I started crying, and I was like, oh, "I just want my dad." Blah blah blah. This I was probably five or six years mm-hmm. old. And the other, the other, one of the other kids just started laughing. And I was like, I was like, do you know something I don't? <laughs> Wasn't his first rodeo. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, we were just going to get a talking to. And then I thought it was going to be much worse. <laughs> My uh, American history teacher had, like, he was real obsessed with Theodore Roosevelt. So his paddle was called the big stick, like speak softly and carry a big stick. Ugh. And like it was it was a badge of honor to get paddled by this guy. This is like an 80 year old man. It's all like, you know, senile, essentially. And uh, like you could you could cut class and then the next day you tell him, no, I was totally here and be like, oh, OK, I guess I just didn't see it. Hmm. And so but I walked in late one time nice. and he was like, come to front. I'm going to paddle you with the big stick for being tardy. And I was like, no. <laughs> And uh, he was like, no, you got to get up here and get your paddling. And I was like, no, <laughs> that is not going to happen. You can levy any other punishment on me right now. I am not having you whack my ass with that fucking thing right now. And he's yeah. like, all right. And then he just moved on. <laughs> nice. I knew a guy who said on in, in, his, in a high school class, he took a test where he knew nothing. Uh-huh. He knew nothing. He was, knew he was going to fail the test, all that. So he spent... The whole time pretending that he was going to take, you know, I guess he wrote down some answers or whatever, but uh, at the end of class, when everybody's turning their test in, he's like, I aced that test. I know I did, like t- talking to the teacher as he's handing the test in or whatever. And when the teacher wasn't looking, threw the t- test in the trash. Oh. And so like then when the teacher came back and and was like, I didn't have your test here. He's like, look. You saw me put it down on the on the pile. <laughs> awesome. You know that you know that I pa- I, I passed that easily. Oh he was able God. to retake the test. Oh shit. Uh, That's next level shit. Yes right it there. is. That is next wow. level. I mean obviously uh, if you're ever going to try that handle with care you can't just like you know be stupid about it. <laughs> no, you got to be the it's artful got, dodger with yeah, that. Yeah. Be like an Ocean's 11 plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's something I realized right in since for that is how bad movies are at like there's no good way to portray 
pickpocketing in movies, right? Because yeah. yeah. for the audience to see it, you have to slow it down or do or these multiple right cuts yeah. that make it super obvious and stand out. I just think that's funny. You can't really you can't really film it. Or you'll see that there's no way that they were right. ever near right. the person, and then they've sudden ha- some somehow got their watch and. The fucking guy on the L in Chicago keeping his fucking wallet like in his breast pocket. No, that was the most annoying part of that. Yeah, well, and he had one of those long checkbook wallets. (laughs) Fuck those people, man. (laughs) They deserve it's like sticking out of seriously. 